Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your audio source for all things world wondering stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network i'm your host rob Goodwin. and i am joined as ever by christopher o'brien chris o'brien how are you i feel like i'm floating on a cloud because you're high or no. just because you're happy i can't afford that shit <laughs> to be high or to be happy. Um, no, um, I was so my office chair, like that I normally sit on, is in the spare room because I'm using that as my office. So I'm currently in like my comfy chair, the one I sit in to watch movies, and it's awful if I'm trying to be at the desk. But for this purposes, fuck yeah, dude! I've like my legs crossed. I'm like sprawled out. I've never been more comfortable doing a podcast. And I've sat on a bed while doing a podcast when we were down in Blackpool. But again, I had to sit on a fucking bunk bed because you're an asshole who fucking claimed a double bed. Get there first. I, I didn't have much control over it. I had to go say hi to my nan. Well, there you go then. You know, I, <laughs> I chose not to say hello to my nan and I ended up with the double bed. What does that Did tell she, you? She lives in the north. My, well, my nan did live in Stoke. Uh, well, so, that's not enough. Well, it's it's north compared to London. Well, according to London, everything is the north. So yeah, the red despair going Brighton's the north. It's like, yeah, no, exactly. If it's not us, it's the north. I was trying to explain <laughs> my one of my best friends, American. And I remember trying to explain to her that Scotland isn't the north. I'm like, no, the not Scotland is above the north. <laughs> Scotland is. You go north and then north a bit more. Then that's Scotland. And oh, it gets better. Suddenly, the tap water t- um, tastes much right. better. Okay, we, we are going to have to talk about this because, right? You cannot just keep bringing up the fact that the one thing you have is we nice have several, tap water. We, have, we ha- I have to wait less time for appointments. We have slightly better. Well, actually, I don't think we have slightly better education, but also our tap water tastes nice, and that's good. Um, your English, your English asshole football team can't beat us. Um, <laughs> um, my favorite thing to come out of that. Um, you're a big fan of The Simpsons, aren't you? Um, <laughs> where you know the episode where um Shelbyville has tried to take over the tree and the lemons yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a meme that was going around on Facebook where um they were all all the children were sitting around um Grandpa Simpson by the lemon tree and he was wearing a Scotland shirt <laughs> and it said. <laughs> Honestly, I remember the day we beat the English nil-nil. What a day! <laughs> no, I think we, we support our... We, they got further than we ever thought they would. Yep. 
and we are proud of him. Your your lot, on the other hand, were like, you couldn't beat Scotland, for fucks. And it's like, that's really mean to your English football team. You know, also the English football fans are very racist. Do you know what? Over that weekend, um, it became blatantly blatantly obvious why everyone else in the world hates us. I uh, hate England. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, are they not self-aware? I mean, I like, would love, I would way, love the personally. way English people were speaking on final day. Mm-hmm. We were completely not self-aware. Like, I didn't even bother watching the finals because I don't wish England well in anything they do. I was like up here watching. What was I watching? Hang on, there was one of my DVDs. It was. It will come back to me. It was. Oh right, I decided to rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine, one of the best sci fi movies ever made. I mean, that's. It's a bold call, um, but okay. It, it's it's a good film. I don't think it's one of the yeah. best sci fi films ever. It's better than it's better than the original. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it definitely is. It's certainly better produced than the original. I mean, yeah, the original was fucking filmed in a parking lot. Um, but no, Although, in, ter- like, in terms of storytelling, in terms of every every other though, aspect, it, it I think hold, the first it did one's the last better. Head, I think it did the last head, I think where they try to set someone up as a hero, only to reveal, no, you're not the hero. I like that. I like that mm. kind of story. I like that subversion of storytelling. I think, I'm not. I'm not um, denying it's not a good film. I'm not denying um, it's not a good. Ryan, film. Ryan Gosling, I think, does a very good job at playing characters who are dead behind the eyes. Do you know what? He's an underrated actor, Ryan Gosling. I don't think he's underrated. I think the problem is he do- he perpetually looks dead behind the eyes. So you have something like La La Land, where sometimes he's meant to like emote. Oh, for fuck's sake, that film! I like La. La- I really like La La I Land. Hate. I went because to go and see you it. You have no heart. I went you to go and see it no at the heart. cinema, and I was that guy who was sat there the entire time with my arms folded, going, "No, I will no not heart. feel no." You have no heart. Could you? I, do you like any musicals? Um, I mean, yeah. Um, okay, go on. What, what musicals? Uh, Matilda is tremendous. Um, oh, I, I wasn't expecting Matilda. I've been seeing. Um, <laughs> I see. Unless it's, I, it's not exactly a massive fucking musical theatre culture. No. <laughs> in this, so, <laughs> so like, if it, unless it's in movie form, I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, but if you ever do get the opportunity to go and watch it, I actively encourage it. Uh, Tim Minchin wrote it, and it's it's tremendous. It's the best thing I've ever seen. Have you um, seen Mulan Rouge? I've seen the film, never the musical. The, the musical is a film. Oh, right. I thought you meant, like, have I ever seen it, like, live in a theatre? No, 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 no. I, I, I just literally just said, unless it's a movie, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, I saw Phantom of the Opera, which Phantom of the Opera... Well, with... has... what's, his, what's his fucking puss? No, no, no. I saw... uh... I'm talking live. I know you're talking films, so oh. I'm talking live. Yeah, I was there, two man. different conversations here. Um, and as a musical spectacle, that was hands down, like, nothing touches it. Like, as a musical piece, tremendous. Uh, Les Mis, but, you know, who hasn't seen Les Mis? Um, One day more. One day more. Empty chairs at empty tables. We need to have, like, a a Podmania Les Mis. (laughs) Like, Garth would definitely be Javert. He's such a Javert. He is such a Javert, just a grumpy man. 
who just hates fucking everything. Yeah, he's Javert. He is. He Do is not Javert. forget his name. Do not I, forget you know what, my I, name. You know Two four six zero one. Most recently for my movie. Well, actually, Yu-Gi-Oh! the movie. But you know what? Before that, what I watched was Arrival, another Denise Villeneuve um, film. And it Is that was the thing good. with the weird, like, black thing that drops from space? Yeah. Have you ever seen it? No. Okay, so essentially the conceit is that aliens have come down. They've not attacked. They've not done anything. They've just opened up the doors and waited for humanity to come to them. So they're sending in translators and the whole thing is trying to to create this. It's but it's good. It's slow. Garth would hate it. <laughs> Cause Gar- Garth seems to hate anything that's remotely slow paced. I think the discourse in which is ironic considering Hulk Hogan's his favourite wrestler. Um Yeah. I think I think the general discourse is that Garth hates everything until proven otherwise. You know that whole guilty uh, innocence until proven guilty. Yeah, it's the other way we've got. Like yeah. every time, like sometimes I've watched. What was the film I watched where I would suddenly put my pl- place? Oh, Lost in Translation. When I watched that. I thought it was beautiful. And then I go in the chat going, "I watched this tonight. I thought it was very good." And Gar and you and Garth are just there going, "Oh, it's shite. It is shit. It's not shit. It you is. just have no heart." Right. Me having no soul or no heart doesn't mean that a film is any better. But you need a heart to enjoy it. I've I cried have... at one film ever. Ever? Ever. <laughs> ever? Oh, no, well, two, but I was four when I watched one of them. Oh, right, okay, what were the films? Okay, well, I saw Lion King when I was nine, okay. when I was four, uh, which, by uh-huh. the way, great musical to go and watch. Um, it's a good film. It's not my favourite Disney Renaissance film, but it's a good film. Again, I was four. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, I cried when... Um, Mufasa died. Um, very, very emotional moment. Um, yeah. Why my mum thought that was appropriate when I was fucking four, I've got no right, idea. I want to get, I want to get to the good stuff that made you cry as an adult, please. All oh, right, okay. Um, and the Green Mile. Oh, I've never seen the Green. I own it. I have it on DVD. I haven't seen it yet. I plan to watch it, but my brother keeps telling me to watch it, so I haven't watched it out of spite. <laughs> well, I'm telling you to watch it now, so you can watch it and say it's not because you told me to watch it. Um, no, no, now I'm not going to watch it out of double spice. Well, you just a cunt then. Um, I, I, have, I have so many films that made me cry. Your name made me cry. My name? Uh, no, not you. We've had this discussion oh, before. Okay. Uh, well, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 made me cry. Oh, Harry that po- was, that, sorry to interrupt. That almost did. You know when you get that lump in your throat? That yeah. almost did. And it, it, was, it was the fucking music. Yeah, it was Cat like, Stevens. Yeah. I was as, like, as, no. soon as, as soon as fucking Fabra starts playing, I'm like, that's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Game no. over. Game what over. are you doing to me? I was um, like, I can't do this, bollocks. No, not in the cinema. I've, I've cried at so many films that it's not worth mentioning. Like, the early films that made me cry would have been like, this, this feels like a therapy session now. Like, the early films back in my childhood that traumatized me were Pokemon the movie when Ash dies. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's not meant to die. The emotional roller coaster that is Pokemon the movie. Well, Pokemon the first movie. Um, oh god! There's been a lot of films that made me go, oh, "Holy shit!" Like the the that, the mo- the reveal in Fight Club. That oh, maybe like audibly. What gasped. a reveal that is! Yeah, that and just the end of Black Swan, where I'm just like, oh, "No." I've um, watched Black Swan three times. And it's one of those films that I think I only ever watch when I'm drunk because I can't remember anything the, that so apart like, from obviously the, the obvious. But like, I love the thought of you just going, 
I'm gonna put like I imagine your drunk mind is for lesbian film. Like I imagine that's what it is in your drunk. Well, I can't operate mind. my computer, so that's the be- next best thing. So it's yeah, definitely not. It's not a film to masturbate to, Roberts. It's not the hardest wank I've had. We're going to Prime get Minister, cancelled. Prime Minister's question time is pretty hard, but again, not the yeah. hardest. Not the, not when Jeremy Corbyn was leader of the opposition. That was some of the easiest. <laughs> oh yes, give it to me with your social <laughs> penis. He's already half undressed anyway. His top button undone. Amazing. Fucking um, slut. What's the film that made me cry recently? Spider Verse. Spider Verse makes me cry. You cry at the weirdest fucking films. Hey. Like when he hugs his dad and they're like, finally, it's it's beautiful. I cried at Harry Met Sally. I've only seen that once. It was years ago. It, like that big speech at the end. Holy shit. You're an emotional dude. I get it. Toy Story 3. Gets me every time. Oh, man. When he gives his toys away. That is yeah. awful. It's like, what? cements it as the best. No, there's two moments. It's that, and then when the toys accepted death. I was not ready for that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's not, one of the, that, it's not one of the themes that you expect in a Toy Story film. No, and it's funny, because uh, everyone's older than me, so people always get annoyed when they find out I wasn't quite a teenager when Toy Story 3 comes out. <laughs> yeah, as, as a, a quadrilogy? That's the word, isn't it? Or a quartet. That's that doesn't count. Um, they are... They're almost flawless as films. Yeah, the one had um, a slightly more refined moral message. We might have three <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I like, I like one. Like, I, I like among you and Garth, I feel like I have this reputation as the guy who hates Toy Story one, and in reality, I just think the other two are better. <laughs> it's a self-imposed reputation, to be fair. I don't know, because sometimes you'll just randomly pull a film opinion that I have out on me in an argument. Like, the amount of times the fact that I love Last Jedi has been pulled on me is too many to count. Don't love shit films. It's not a shit film. It is a dog shit film. If we go into Star Wars, we'll be here for another two hours. To be fair, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, like, if if we're going to go onto a... Star Wars will be here for two hours. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to edit out that bit about Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, so... no, absolutely not. That's the tagline. That's the name of the episode. I know. I feel like the joke I made about Jeremy Corbyn isn't as bad as you, the connection you've made with Black Swan. Okay, but even so, <laughs> I think episode 37 of the Stardom cast is definitely going to be something... Socialist penis. Yeah, <laughs> socialist wanks. Um... Yeah, it, it, this is up there with the weirder things we've ever done. I'll definitely put a disclaimer in the podcast description saying if you want to actually listen to us talk about stardom, skip ahead to about 15 minutes. It's um, been 15 minutes. Oh, it's been wow. 15 minutes, and we've covered musicals, wanking. No, you you, you brought in the fucking wank, and, I, and then I made a joke to try and get us out of it. The only, the only wank we know about is yours. <laughs> Yeah, I, I steered into the skid and made it worse. Yeah, um, like quite frankly, I, I want to put a disclaimer. Nothing. I, I, all I said was trying to get Rob out of the skid. Nothing, <laughs> I, nothing I said there was factual. Rob, on the other hand, I'm not so sure. Um, right. So today's episode, um, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a little bit of news to cover, and then we've got a host of shows 
um, on the lead up to the five star covering all the Cinderella summer tour. Um, and then we've got the most accomplished five star Grand Prix primer on the Podmania podcasting network. That is a hundred percent fact. Okay. I feel like. I feel, you know when Guinness World Record makes up world records for dictators to break? I feel like what that's what you've done here. Yeah, absolutely. You've made, you've made up a prize for yourself. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You don't need to listen to any other podcasts on the Podmania Podcasting Network when it comes to the five-star Grand Prix. That is a um, stardom mean, cast promise. You mean you mean the flagship where we barely talk about stardom because we don't want to bore Garth? That's true. Yeah, we don't want him to fall asleep because, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um... Let's kick straight into some news then. Uh, first thing that we're going to talk about is actually in regards to us, um, just because we've been trying to do the show weekly, and I know that recently we've been doing a fucking terrible job of it, um, and th- there's an absolute shed load of reasons for that. Um, one of them is, obviously, we both work, so you know it's difficult to catch up on things. Another another reason is you know sometimes there's just not a lot to say about some of these shows in lead up to bigger shows. So what we're going to do instead is we're basically going to do every other Sunday, um, starting from today, um, the twenty fifth of July. We're going to do every other Sunday. Do you um, think in the long term we're going to take up more or less time than people who go to church? Um. In my head, Chris, I knew you were going to interrupt me with summer name bollocks. I didn't think it would be that. But, I mean, like, I don't want you to know what I'm going to interrupt with. Because... <laughs> it's part of the fun. Yeah, like, and I feel that's part of our charm. Like, you're the straight man. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> um... So, yeah, what we're going to do is every other Sunday we will be back and we'll talk about the stardom shows that have happened over the week. What we'll do is if there are a series of shows where not a lot has happened, um, you know, they're just constantly repeated six-woman tags, you know, there's no build up, no storylines going forward, then what we'll do is we will either review a retro match from the Stardom Archives or a retro show from the Stardom Archives. I've tried to convince him to watch more Joshi and B-Segment Speeds, abjectly refused. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do then, Chris. Um, <laughs> we'll put it to the Discord and Twitter. What oh, do, you do you think we should watch? Discord, do you really think Velkage is going to pass up the opportunity to make you watch TJPW? With the exception of Velkage, we are going to put it forward to the Discord and to Twitter. Um, I don't think it's fair to, get, to like snub my stream co-host like that. Um, so yeah, basically, if you want us to cover something in particular, um, then let us know on Twitter, Discord, whatever, whatever you want us to look at, then we'll check that out when it's been a little bit, uh, a little bit slow. So yeah, we'll do that. that Rob watches Hyper Mustafa versus Shoko Nakajima. There you go. Um, so moving on to the news regarding stardom, uh, B Priestley did an interview you, you got her, you got her name wrong you got her name wrong oh sorry Blair Davenport there you yeah. go I got it man um Blair Davenport um had an interview with post wrestling and the reason I brought it up is just because I thought it was interesting as to um why she left stardom in the first place um so I'm just going to read this little bit out to you and I'd like 
just like your opinion on it, really, Chris. It was the right opportunity and the right timing for me. There were so many other things that I wanted to do first, and I didn't want to be in a position where I would make such a big jump in my career and wish I could have done things before coming here. I wanted to do everything that I wanted to do, then come to this part in my life. Bummy. During the pandemic, there was a small window. Obviously, I got cut from AEW because my visa expired, and then there was no hope for a new visa happening at that time. There was a tiny window in August where people who had Japan visas could go back, so I went back to Japan. I loved stardom so much, but this time I think I was the only foreigner there, whereas before I had a group of friends with me. I loved the roster, but I did feel very isolated, and I started to feel stagnant with my role and feeling like there was only so much I could do with this company before I stayed in my same position. I hate being stagnant, and I wanted to be like, I need to do something for me now. This is when we got in touch with WWE and we were chatting. I almost wanted a bit of time at home as well, just to have a bit of a rest. But I love NXT UK so much, and it's definitely where I want to be right now. Um, what are your thoughts in regard to that, Chris? Um, well, first of all, in terms of an interview, we can't be 100% sure how much about it is from PR speak, because at the end of the day, she's in one of the most image-conscious companies in the world. True. Um, second of all, um, it doesn't matter what I think about her fucking reasons because <laughs> it's her, like it's her choice. But third of all, yeah, I can, if she, I can absolutely see why she'd want to make the jump mm. if she felt stagnant in a role. I admire wrestlers who acknowledge that if they want to go to WWE, there's, we need to wait for the white time to do that. I think that's a great move. Like establish yourself more, make yourself worth more when you go. Because now she's there and she's one of the bigger women on the roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whereas if she went when NXT UK first started, she'd be buried under, like, the, not buried, but, like, she'd be underneath everyone else in both. Because, like, it would, at that point, it would be partly due to they're trying to push Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley to the moon, partly because she wasn't quite where she was in ring by then, because she got a lot better over the, those two, three years. Mm. Um. So, yeah, like think is more, a more of a valid reason to jump um I, I can imagine it would have been lonely not having any other english speaking well english native speaking people there so yeah i can see it i can absolutely see it um it's a valid reason at the end of the day it would matter if i didn't think it was a valid reason because no, it's, exactly. it's, like I, I have no financial stake in this no no i think I, it was one of them where I was interested to know because for us as spectators, obviously I know for nobody, you know, in the know it didn't, but it came out of the blue when she left and it felt like B was built quite strongly, really, when you consider it. And it was a case of, well, you know, why, why she left? Has she fallen out with someone? Has she fallen out of favor? Um, Is it a pandemic thing? You know, why has she left? It just, you know, immediately after she's just had this red belt match. So it well, was just interesting the, to know that it wasn't due to, you know, any moment, sort of fallout. There was a fair bit of time where she was just sort of just floating. Because yeah. um, Aradatai kind of didn't have that sustained push when she first came back. And then they didn't seem to quite know where to put her. We had her in SWA because, but then we were like, now we're just going to change how the SWA works. So we don't need to have you as champion. I don't think that was um, the reason. No, but like when you look at like Budokan, she's the biggest and only international talent, and she's in the battle royal. So, 
Hmm. I could I can see how she'd think she was stagnant. I mean, you look when she left. So she left after the Yokohama Budokan show on the 4th of mm-hmm. April. She had a 42.9% win rate, uh, win percentage. That was the lowest of anyone in a Wida tie except for Uwaka. So, because <laughs> obviously at Yokohama, don't forget, Gokin Death wasn't part of a Wida tie. So. That's mental. I mean, at this point, obviously, you know, context is king. Wiener had only had two matches. But even so, Konami, Saki Kashima, and Natsukatora all had higher winning percentages than her. Which, mm-hmm. you know, she'd had 28 matches in stardom. Won 12, lost 12, drew two. Do you think she deserved better than that? Because we talked um... about, she considering, you know, in terms of pinfalls she only actually ate three no two pinfalls in fact I, I think it would be slightly skewed in terms of win-loss records because the other side get dq'd fairly often mm. she was also in a few draws so like she's not she wasn't picking up mega wins i think in terms of position on the card she was in a decent she was in a position which actually half a roster in where she's perpetually able to contend for a championship but then we'll just go back down mm. But like I can see how that role would seem, um, would feel when you're there, stagnant, because quite frankly, that's how a lot of roster. When you stop and think about it, that's how like Himika feels. That's how, um, a lot of people feel. Like even Poi, that's uh, Poi as champion, so I felt a bit stagnant since the time feud. So like yeah. it's kind of just how that that comes down to how Stadden books. But that doesn't mean she's wrong for feeling that because. But that might just be how Saturn Books isn't conducive to keeping talent on board. Mm. Let's move on then. Um, just a little bit of news coming out of today as we record the 25th, uh, today's Corican show, um, where we had a new debut uh, where May Sakurai from ActRes Girls came to the ring and announced that she will begin wrestling for stardom. Uh, Yunagi then came to the ring to confront her, and Yunagi wants to be the first to face May, and said it's absolutely fine if that's even for a future of stardom title shot. Now, I'm not going to even pretend that I know a lot about actress girls. Um, Chris, have you got a, have you got any knowledge of who May Sakurai is? I watched half a show once, so I, I'm basically an expert. Um, no, if I, <laughs> if I'd have. Had any father had a message fucking Gregor Gregor's at res at I can't I can't say it out loud. It's a nightmare to say out loud, but great for search engine optimization. I came up with a name. Um, I can't see. There's a lot of at res alums on the Stardom roster, so it's not exactly a out of nowhere jump. Mm. And I also saw the speculation about it on Discord. Our uh, Discord um, the other week. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, I can't judge because if I've seen her wrestle, I don't remember seeing her wrestle. So, and I I, I don't know where she is on the Atres Girls card, so I'm going to reserve no judgment to see her because I can't. Like, it's not like we're in that point where I kind of had a clue who she was because she was on the Tokyo Joshi January 4th card in a match against Sari. Like, I have 
I'm going in basically blind with May here. I think, have I seen, hang on, let me look her up on Cage Match. Okay, just before you, well, whilst you're doing that on Twitter, basically what I've picked up from Twitter is people are very excited about her being made part of the Stardom roster, but also I've sort of gleaned the idea that she is very much Unagi's level. She's sort of going to be sort of pitched in at that just above the children, but still a rookie. Um, which, of course, is fantastic for the future of stardom title scene, which um, is pretty much the kids and Unagi at this point, with Mina being too old for the championship now, which we will definitely be talking about uh, later on in the show. Um, have you found anything, Chris? Um, no, I don't know how to spell her name. Right. I'll tell you what. Go and follow... What's his name? Grigor? Gregor. Gregor. Go and follow him on Twitter. Um, you, we did not know how to spell Greg. What the fuck, Greg? You don't know. Never mind. Okay, Greg. Now, okay. <laughs> Go and follow him, and I'm sure he will I have lots call, of information. I don't call you Rube. Oh no, why would you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know Rube. Um, moment of weakness. Phonetically, it's phonetically spelled. Do you know what? I'm not getting involved. Um, right. Yeah, but you're, you're right to do that, Rube. Let's just move on for the sake of pacing. Right, Rube. <laughs> Um, we're going to look at some of the results. So just quickly, we're not going to be talking about the Goddess of Stardom Championship match from the 22nd uh, because We Are Stardom, the English Twitter channel, has put out the order of things that they're going to be uploading over the next few days, which they are going to be starting with the July 25th Corican. Okay, they're then... Once they've done that, going to finish uploading the stuff from the 21st. They have already uploaded Tam versus Starlight, but none of the rest. Then they're going to do July 22nd, which is the second day from Sapporo. And then they're going to do the 24th from Sendai. So, sure, why not? I don't I don't particularly understand why the Corican was so important that it needed to be uploaded first, unless it was because of this debut. But that everyone knows that, and it, like Stardom put out their own results on Twitter. Exactly. So I don't particularly understand why it wasn't just uploaded in chronological order, because the entire Corican now from Jan- from July twenty fifth is up on Stardom World. Obviously, we didn't have enough time to watch it before we started the podcast, but that's now up, and I can't help feeling that well, just finish uploading the twenty first and put the title match from the twenty second on. I have a feeling it's because they don't give half a fuck about the artist belt. <laughs> that be uh yeah, the artist belts. The goddess the mean. Belts. The goddess belts. It could be that to be fair. It could be that to be fair. What was the match again? The match was ALK versus Aphrodite. Oh, I'm sure that was decent. I'm I have very high hopes for it. I have very high hopes for it. In regard to the shows that we are going to cover, we're not going to cover them in full. Again, we're just going to sort of cherry-pick matches from the different shows um, and talk about, basically, the different things from there. So we're going to be looking at Cinderella Summer Tour in Tokyo Night 1 from Corican, uh, then the show from Osaka on the 10th of July, some of the matches from the 11th of July in Hamamatsu, um, the Takanaga Dobaba, I hope that's how you say it uh, with the Cinderella Summer Tour in Tokyo Night 2. And then we're going to have a look at the Sapporo shows as well, or the first Sapporo show, Night 1, and the show from Toshigi in on the 18th. Again, not every match, though. 
Let's start then with the Corican show, the first Corican show, which was the 6th of July 2021, in front of 435 people. Uh, opened with a three way match with Fukigan Death defeating Hina and Lady C in five minutes and 28 seconds. Um, we're going to talk about this match, um, match two, singles match. Micah versus Momo Watanabe ended in a 15-minute time limit draw. Now, Chris? Start of doing a time limit draw? Never. Well. <laughs> Perish for thought, Roop. You are going to surprise every fan of this podcast and explain why you actually liked this time limit draw. It annoys me that you very clearly stalk my match of a year, Fred, and yet never like any of the tweets. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but this draw made sense. Micah and Momo are somewhat on the same level on the cards. I, I still stand by if you didn't want either person to lose, don't book the match, but I guess it's a Corican, so sure, have a random big singles match. It could, in theory, if Stardom did rankings, help the rankings, but if they don't do rankings, I don't think I'd mind the draw if they did rankings like Ring of Honor do. Because then, like, the draws would actually affect the rankings. But, yeah, and I think it helps if the match was good. This is a very good match. Um, there was a bit where Micah goes through, like, a sliding clothesline and Momo kicks the arm away before it hits her. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was. Otherwise, otherwise it was really hard to think. Momo kicks like no one else. Micah is getting better with every big match. I stand by that Momo is the best wrestler in the world, not getting a sustained push. Which is different from being buried, by the way. <laughs> not, <laughs> oh, getting God. Sustained, not getting a sustained push is not is, is not being buried. Please, thank you for stopping Ang. Uh, but yeah, um, it kind of makes sense, but neither person really have a... Like, let me put it this way. If this draw happened, if we weren't surrounded by like a draw every show, no one would bat it an eyelid. Mm. Like this, as if you were going to book a draw, this would be the kind of match you'd book a draw in. My problem with a lot of draws of other shows, we're in like tag matches where people could be four guys, or in singles matches where someone very clearly has a level disparity. We'll get to one of them. But yeah, it, this is fine, and I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, I mean, these two have great chemistry. Um they do. Obviously, they've got a history dating back to the five-star last year when Mike pulled out that surprise upset over Momo on the opening now of Blue Block. Um, but obviously, a little bit more recently, Mike has been attempting to recruit Momo on Twitter, sort of playing on a placement on the card and you can't be happy in your own faction and stuff like that, um, which I think is quite good that they're actually playing on this and they're actually creating a feud out of this, which I really, really like. Um, um, I didn't hear a word you just said because I accidentally pressed play on the Doctor Who episode I was watching <laughs> before you came on. Doesn't matter. The people at home heard it. Um, oh, does, do, do my needs not matter, Rob? Never. Never. Um, something that I do like about this match is that Micah is constantly wanting the respect. She's constantly showing that she wants basically to be almost Momo's equal and Momo is having none of it. She wants to beat Micah. She wants to prove that she's better than Micah. And for a long time, Momo is on top in this 15-minute time limit draw. However, when the bell rings for the draw, Micah is on top, having just hit the anchor Atoshi. So for all Momo's dominance, she can't get the job done. 
And that's been the story of Momo for what? Um, all of 2021 that she dominates but cannot get the job done. So this match is actually completely reinforcing what Micah has been trying to basically get in Momo's head with, which I really, really do like. Um, Again, I've commented on their fantastic chemistry. I completely agree, Chris. I think, you know, in the same way that a broken clock is right twice uh, twice a day, a draw occasionally does make sense, and this does make sense. Um... I actually gave it four stars. I thought this was great. I thought it was hard-hitting. I thought that moment that you mentioned where, after all the work, Momo had done Micah's arm to then, you know, have Micah go for the sliding lariat and Momo just literally kick it. It was, oh, it was, just, it was great. It was a lovely, lovely moment. Yeah. Um, three, and three, three and three quarter, I believe I gave it. It was a good, it was a good match. Very good match. I'd got, I'd, if it was, I'd, it's only 15 minutes, I'd, recommend you go out your way to watch it definitely definitely actually i don't know, I why, must admit, I don't know why you're listening if you haven't watched it like, <laughs> i must admit this corican was really really fun was, i enjoyed this corican as a whole it was a fun corican yeah um match three then donna del mondo the team of julia and suri alk defeated the oida tai team of konami and ruaka by dq in 12 Correct. minutes and 12 seconds um Renami. the same the semi main event uh the stars team of Hanan, Kaguma, and Mei Watani defeated the Oida Tai team of Rina, Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid in 54 seconds when Mayu pinned Saki with the Moonsault. Now, Chris, I'm sure you're going to agree that in terms of in-ring action, you know, it was solid, you know, fine. but <laughs> it's the same very much as any stars and a weird yeah, time match. A, we've seen a lot of these. Uh, the best bit was Kid being a dick. Yeah, that was where I was. That was where I was going. Kid leaning into her heel persona was tremendous, especially with Hannon, where she's sitting on top of her and literally just slapping her in the face. Mm-hmm. And something I saw that was on our Discord during the very start of Starlight's heel run was well, she still got the same move set. And here she set Kaguma up for the Tiger Faint Kick and rather than doing it, just sort of twatted a one in the back. Yeah, but also like I don't think the same moves have to automatically mean it's not a good face heel transition. It comes down to like more than just your moves, which I'm gonna go on to when I talk about the tan match. Mm. I think she's it starts here progresses and then it becomes really obvious the nuances she's using and the new and sort of this character that she's embracing it really really works she looks really comfortable in this hero and i really really like it yeah like i I always thought it would be awkward but it's actually working really well really well um with stars laughably poor multi-woman record um especially during this feud it's uh, it's actually good to see them finally register a win um yeah, Mayu doesn't need it. That's true. Mayu then confirms that this all-out war between the two factions, the one that's robbed stars of all but three active members, uh, is not over. One in. Yeah, exactly. They had to bring one in to yeah, actually... The... Yeah. Huh? Yeah, because Kogamore didn't hear at the start of the feud. They had to bring one in because they were that short-handed. Yeah, yeah they had to bring one in at the big match. Big um, show, didn't they? Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Imagine if she'd got taken the pin. Like at that point, 
I don't work here, but I guess. <laughs> Looks like I'm in a weeder tie now. Um, I also thought, and I will, I'll come back to that in a moment, but um, Mayu says that stars need kid and kid needs stars. Um, seemingly the elected mouthpiece of a weeder tie, Konami, decides that the rules of getting kid back must be Mayu versus all five members of a weeder tie, excluding uh, Starlight yeah, Kid. Yeah, who Starlight Kid? Because she's on, she's lowest on the totem pole. Apparently so. Yeah, she's had a white belt match, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, that has nothing to do with Oedipo. Oedipo doesn't book stardom. <laughs> in an right, and this was this was explicitly said by Konami that it was an over the top rope elimination only gauntlet. Again, Konami doesn't book. It, it <laughs> Bear that in changed. mind. Um, it would have been changed. And basically, they've said, if she wins, then Kid can decide if she wants to come back. Uh, Mayu accepts and puts forth that it's going to be July 17th at Takano Baba. Takano, Spoil- yeah. Spoiler alert, I called it. You did call it. And do you know what? It's the best piece of booking that Stardom have done in ages. Because they should hire me. Mm. Um. I- have you seen my streams? Fucking Shrek dominating with the torture Shrek, the donkey bomb, the sidewalk, the side swamp slam. He's the IWGP swampian. Um, I didn't actually. I gave this match three stars because the match itself is is oh, fine. average. Yeah, I, I, I didn't bother rating it. Um, but the post-match and to set up this gauntlet, really, really good. And I think I misspoke on the previous podcast. I think I, I think I said it was going to be a five-on-one handicap, which effectively it was anyway. But um, yeah, it was. It's a gauntlet. So um, we then had in our main event the Artist of Stardom Championship match with the Cosmic Angels, Mina Shirakawa, Tam Nakano, and Yunagi Saika, the champions defeating the challengers, the Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Sayakamatani, and Yutami Hayashita in 21 minutes and 57 seconds. Chris, what did you think of this? This was fun. The Cosmic Angels are at their best in a tag setting because Tam's best when you limit her minutes. And Mina and Nagi may have like structural problems, but, but they can hit their spots. Mm. So that's all we have to do in these six women tags and they do it more often than not. Um and then we're up against Queen's Quest, you have Azumi and Utami who two of the best in the company. You have Saya who's um got her niche in stardom of basically two thousand six Jack Evans. So it it was good. I really liked it. I love the closing stretch between Tam and Azumi. Mm, I thought that was so. great. Azumi was definitely the star of this match. I loved when she jumped. She's done this before, but I love it every time where she jumped up to the top rope, span round into a kick from Tam. I love it when she does that, and I hope she does it against Roa. <laughs> oh my god. Roa will kick her into the first row. Yeah, exactly. I want to see. It's going to be like, um, have you ever played Raw on the Super Nintendo? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just sorry. That's just twigged. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's. Just another addition in the fun but inessential Cosmic Angels um, artist run. It's probably the most fun. These belts are always fun because they're just tag matches, but people try a bit harder because it's a title match, I guess. I am a big fan, and I said this to you before um, before we went on air, I'm a big fan of how um, the 
Corican shows are basically being main evented by the artist of Sardin Championships. That seems to be the staple of mm-hmm. every Corican show is that they main event. And to be perfectly honest, you think that they've had um, stars. They've had two matches against Queen's Quest. Now, all of the matches are really, really good, solid matches. I mean, currently mm-hmm. at the moment, um, I mean, they're 221 days into their reign as champions. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, that was their seventh successful title defense. Now, they've already broken the record for most successful title defenses with this belt. And I think the record reign is 280 days. Um, and that was with, that was by Donna Del Mondo. Do you think that we are going to see Cosmic Angels break that record? Maybe. It wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me with the push they're giving Cosmic Angels. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Honest. I also wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I don't think we'll pay that close attention to. Um, I don't think we'll pay that close attention to the stats of the artist belt. To be honest, mm. we'll see. I think you, I think you pay closer attention than they have. Maybe. Um, let's move on then. Oh no, what did you give it, Chris? I apologize. Oh, what did I give it? Um, oh, three and three quarters. Three and three good, quarters. Good match. Very fun. Inessential, but, you know, there's worse ways to spend 22 minutes. You could watch an episode of a Cleveland show. Okay. I mean, they are shit, to be fair. Yeah, the Cleveland show. It's like, how are you... Like, how are you Seth MacFarlane's worst show? Because Seth MacFarlane does, has never given a fuck. It's I'm... like, how is it... How is that his worst show? And again, I really like American Dad. It seems to be the place, Cleveland show, where they just put all the reject jokes from American Dad and Family Uh, Guy. Yeah, I swear to God, sometimes we just nicked um, animated segments that were going to be in Family Guy and just threw it in Cleveland show. Ric Flair turned up at one point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think three and three quarters seems to be the benchmark, because I think, with the exception of the previous Queen's Quest defense. I, gave, I believe we gave both Queen's Quest and Stars 4. I think we gave Stars 3 and 3 quarters in the end. No, you gave it 3 and 3 quarters. I looked at my thread earlier today. I know that I gave the other one for. You didn't. Um, no, I did. I, can, I absolutely fucking did. You didn't. I absolutely fucking did. You didn't. It's on my thread. Why, you're gaslighting me. Why you are you gaslighting me on a podcast? You didn't. Okay, Rube, Jesus. Moving on, let's go to the 10th of July then. So the Stardom Cinderella Tour in Osaka um, from the Edian Arena Osaka 2 in front of 331 people. Uh, We opened with a three-way match with Azumi defeating Mina Shirakawa and Saki Kashima in 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Second match, we had our second time limit draw with Konami and Tam Nakano going the full 15 minutes. Chris, talk to me about this match. It, it was fun. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not a fan of the draw? Why, what did you think? I liked it. And you... You messaged me when you first watched this match and said Konami's now drawn with both Tam and Utami. And I think we're going to get a big push for Konami in 
the five star and she is going to be oh, the sorry, next charger talk- for the Y belt. Were you talking about Tam versus Konami? Yes. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the opening you cut out. Um, yeah, I really liked this match. It was fun. I liked Tam trying to square up to Konami. I thought that was very good. Konami's very good at having time limit draws with people above her station. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I did. Th- I was like, I'm sure he said he liked this. Um... Yeah, no, I did. I thought you were talking about the fucking opener. Um, oh, no, yeah, I, I did like, like this. Why is he doing this? <laughs> no, I did, that I makes did, perfect I did sense now. Um... Yeah, it, I like I I enjoy um battles of attrition and like that. Um I think if we were gonna have Tam hit the Twilight Dream right at the end anyway, you might as well just give another win. Cause everyone who watched it knows she basically beat Konami. Like Konami gains nothing there. Hmm. So I guess just but like it didn't affect the quality enough for me to bump it down a rating. I did enjoy it. It was very good. Another example where a draw, I think, that can work. It could post if they capitalize on this with Konami going forward. It could be something good, but they're probably not because Konami get the sustained push. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're funny. We're so sorry, Val. Um. Well, and again, we did discuss this. She's in blue block in the five star. I I do think that Konami will get a push in the five star. Whether, I don't think she'll make it to the final, but... Everyone get, half the fucking roster gets a push in the five-star. But if she gets victories over... I don't think she'll beat Utami, but say she beats Tam. Every G1, people think Ishii's getting a push coming out of it. Nobody it's... thinks Ishii's getting a push after the have G1. You... Everyone does. No, Fuck. nobody not does. Okay, not everyone, but so many people do. People just go, do you know what? He's going to fucking bang a matches. He'll finish fourth or fifth in his uh, block. No, but, but like during the G one, he he pins a big, a few big people, and like, oh, they're pushing Ishi. No, he'll just have one title match at Power Struggle or King of Pro Wrestling or Destruction. Yeah, which no one will care about because because Ishii he's not going is... to win. Yeah, people because t- Ishi title matches just straight up don't bang. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. Because um, I'm, I'm right. I do genuinely think that Konami is next in line for a white belt shot. Uh, well, to be fair, we thought about going into blue, into red block Konami last year, and that's effectively what we got. So. The only sure. thing is, the only thing is, <sighs> you've, ju- you've just spoken about Ishii mm. and how. Konami will have a fan. She had a fantastic five star last year. A oh, yeah. really, really good MVP, other than maybe me. And then you look at her title matches, and with the exception of the Suri match, they aren't blow away. I mean, her match with Julia was very divisive. Like people seem to love it, or people seem to hate it. So I think it's okay. I thought I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, but you know, loads of people shat on it for the selling and the pacing. The thing is, Konami's big matches just don't seem to connect because she's never going to win. Well, <sighs> one day she might win because now every evil title match has that plausible thing of well, they've done it before. The difficulty is, well. No, we'll, that's right, because we'll again, B, Pri- B Priestley, she had decent ma- 
matches in that here and there. Mm. But every, every, if she gets a big match, it's a possibility she'll win because she's been a champion before. So, but Konami has an advert. She hasn't had that big win. And like in theory, she has someone she's chasing in Shuri, mm. which we'll talk about when we get to the, the five star primer. But yeah, um, so yeah, there was no way going. Well, I knew there was no way Konami was winning going into this because I saw the results beforehand. <laughs> but um, even then, there was no way Konami was going to win this. But like knowing it was Drew, I can just sort of appreciate it for the fun house show match that it was. We'll talk about the Y belt a little bit more when we get into Sapporo, because um, I've got a couple of questions for you in regard to that. Um, next two matches then. Um, Stars team of Kaguma and Meiru Tani defeated the Uwidatai team of Ruwaka and Starlight Kid by DQ in 13 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, semi-main, the Queen's Quest team of Momo Watanabe, Sayakamatani, and Yutami Haishita defeated the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Maika and Lady C in 15 minutes and 39 seconds. Going into the main event, Chris. So quickly, if this six man had went to a draw, I'd have shot myself. <laughs> um, with Lady C in, I think it's pretty... It's pretty unlikely it's going to a draw. Pretty unlikely. I, I, I thought that I thought that going into Micah versus Mina. Oh, we have some things to say about that. Um, yeah, the main event was the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match uh, with Suri the champion defeating Yunagi Sayaka in 19 minutes and five seconds via knockout. Now, Chris, for me at least, and I'm aware I may well be in the minority. But Yunagi's lack of justification for being in this match really hurt it. The fact that Mina offered this as some manner of proving it's ground. So it's so weird that SWA is below future. For a, exactly. For a further future of Stardom Championship shot is utter nonsense. Especially as hierarchically the future of Stardom Championship is by its very nature the least prestigious championship in the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by yeah. its very nature, Chris, it's the future. It's for the ch- people who have not had a chance yeah, I, at the I, higher I, I was agreeing with you. I just did it in, but just to um, annoy you because you're very clearly wound up about this. I'm not. I'm not wound up about the match, and I'll get to the match in a moment. I'm just. I don't understand. Well. <laughs> Do you know what, Chris? You you go with it because I might end up shouting and I don't want to. You always end up shouting. Um, you're a very angry man. Um, so weird booking around this side. It's stupid, but Stardom has done a lot of stupid booking this year. I'm kind of just in the ah, uh, who the fuck care? Like I I'm not gonna care more about how Stardom books things than they do. So meh. In terms of the match itself. I can see what they were going for here. I can see the Carpenter's intentions. Mm. But also, how do I put this? It's like he tried to make a chair out of an entire tree and just tried to carve it, carve the chair out of a tree. You're going to end up with a lot of dead trees. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of dead air in this match. Because... 
made Unagi go 19 minutes, and both Shiri and Unagi know that that's not the best decision they could have made. Um, we have good stuff in here, like basically everything Shiri did. Um, some of Unagi's fire-ups were some of the better fire-ups she's had on Stardom, like the one on the outside, where she's throwing um, Shiri into the... That, that was good. Um, but then we had her come back to the inside, where she tried to punch. Oh boy, those punches were weak sauce. Holy shit, those were some bad punches. I'm trying to think of like a comparison, but I don't think I've seen many worse punches. Can you? Sires against Tam? They're not punches. Oh, they were slaps, They're, weren't they? They were slaps. Um, I don't know, Tyler Bain, Jordan Devlin, NXT um, UK TakeOver 2 was pretty shit. I mean, you didn't think that at the time. No, no, no. The rest of the match was great. Those punches were shit at the time as well. Um, <laughs> because we were trying to replicate the Tyler Bate Walter thing where we were just boxing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I am completely in agreement with you. I've actually got in my nose that the most compelling bits was you Nagy capitalizing on Suri kicking the post and the exchange, mm. the following exchanges that happened on the outside. And I yeah, completely that, agree was, with you. If that was the main crux of this match, this match would have mm-hmm. been great. And I do agree with you that it's clear what they were trying to do. Um, I mean, in terms of... Look look at crowd reaction, for example. Unagi comes out, and it's actually a little bit awkward because there is no reaction, like, at all. And mm-hmm. the match starts, and there is no reaction at all. However, by the end of this match, the Osaka crowd are lit for Unagi. Now, everything about yeah, this but, match aside... Yeah, but, but, but that's very good. The, it's something that's always worth pointing out. There's a big difference between the people in the arena and the people watching it at home. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we, we, went, we were both at UK Takeovers, during, say, Coffee versus um, Dunn, that was some of the most fun you could have watching wrestling. Agreed, like, the chanting, the atmosphere, it was great. We didn't really notice any of the weird pacing issues. The, botch- we, the botches didn't stand out so much as botches because the crowd never really, never really minded. It didn't break their flow. Then you go home and watch it, and it didn't fall apart. Life bias is definitely a thing. And well, yeah, part of their main goal, well, actually, most of Saddam's revenue will come from tours. So a lot of their main goal is to um, enhance the live crowd, and they definitely did that here. Exactly. That's, that's not what we're reviewing. That's not what we're reviewing. That's not the experience. No, but I think that reviewing. it would be wrong to completely dismiss no, it's that. Worth mention- it's worth mentioning it, but I'm not going to let that. If the crowd had not reacted to this match at all, Chris, you would categorically say there was something wrong with it. And yes, there are yeah. things wrong with this no, match. I, would, I, would, I absolutely would have, but I'm not going to let... Um, I'm not going to let the fact that this entertained the live crowd detract from... Because if, if, even if the live crowd hadn't reacted, which did help the match, mm-hmm. the live crowd hadn't... If the live crowd hadn't reacted, the problems of this match... No, 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 no. I didn't say that the match was improved by it. I said that they got over the game of the match. How they went about it wasn't right. However, the entire aim of this match was seemingly to re-establish Unagi's underdog status. Now that, the match did very, very well. 
And again, you only have to listen to the crowd's reaction to hear that. But you don't get the match itself. The match itself went far too long. They tried to tell a 14, 15 minute story in just under 20. And Mm -hmm. whereas before, or whereas when we've said this before, you can trim maybe a minute, two minutes tops off a match. Here, you genuinely could have cut four or five. You could have hacked this to half. You could have cut this this into pieces. This is their last resort. Ultimately, what they are trying to do here is Suri beat the ever-loving shit out of Yunagi to prove that Yunagi is not on her level. Pardon me. Have Yunagi absorb all of that punishment, but ultimately, she hasn't got enough to go on and do anything in the match. That's ultimately the story they're trying to tell. And it's a good story, okay? And it Not actually works minutes. with the fact that, you know, they've put Yunagi forward for this championship match and she's nowhere near ready to step in there with Suri and pose any sort of threat. You could have done this in six minutes. We've, actually, I've seen this done in six minutes. Basically, that's what um, Yusuke Okada versus Yukio Sakaguchi at DDT a couple of months ago was. Mm. Like, there's ways to do it. Like, you didn't need to make this a long match to make it good. And then... The big argument you throw back is, well, then it wouldn't have been a satisfying main event. First of all, being satisfying doesn't need to be transgenderly related to length. Second of all, you didn't need to put this in the fucking main event. <laughs> this could have semi-mained a different show. Mm. Um, like I, I always feel, because I, I sometimes put my problems with pacing as length, and that's bad, because like a good match is a good match, no matter how long it is. Mm. Like one of my favorite, some of my favorite matches ever are like King's Road epics. And... I was just gonna say, you look at Four Pillars matches and things like that. Yeah, and even like I love 2017, 2018 New Japan. One of my favorite matches are the two out of three four match with Omega versus Carter. I think that's their best one alongside their G1 outing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't mind long matches when they're paced to go long. Yeah, and that and that's the problem. Like, not many people because people in Saturn don't tend to go long. Sometimes if we do go along, we don't quite know how to handle it. Like, and we saw that with <clears throat> um, Tam and Julia last year, where like sometimes Stardom goes. It's sort of the opposite problem as what All Japan has, where when they were asked to go short in the Champion Carnival in twenty twenty, they didn't know what to fucking do. Mm. So like, it, so it's like my problem with the match isn't length; it's pacing, and the pacing here was completely off because they both knew that they didn't have enough. To bet they could drag from an Aggie to create 19 minutes. And that's my next thing. That's that's my next thing. And I've got two more things I want to say before we round off this match because ultimately this match, you know, we'll have forgotten about it in two weeks, so it's irrelevant. But in terms of establishing Unagi's underdog says the match did a fantastic job. And you actually said the best bits of this match were when Suri was in control. And that's absolutely right. Unagi on the defensive, this is her best singles match. I mean, there was moments where Suri was kicking Yunagi, and Yunagi was literally flying across the ring. Her selling was great in this match, and you did feel for her as an underdog. The moments that it fell apart are because Yunagi has not developed an offensive side yet. I mean, you look at what she's, she's delivering the same five minutes. Now, she's developed a completely new finishing move. Fair play to her. But everything else was the same. Yeah, but Every... punches, her, her strikes don't really land. It's the simple shit she can, that you can throw into a comeback because the crowd are going to be hot for her, but she can't hit it properly. 
But if when she's on top, and she was on top for a good, what, five minutes towards the end, where she, just yeah. before she hit the finish. Yeah. And, like, in the case of... Okay, so let's stream this match. If you'd have taken out the sort of grappling... Uh, like, cut the grappling bit at the start, take out completely the bit where Unagi was striking, and the the bit where they were just sort of staring at each other, one in the ring, one out the ring. If you cut that down, condense it all into 12 minutes, mm-hmm. we, this would be a thread match. It's absolutely... absolutely. There was, but, but like, but that dead space around it, absolutely. Because it's not dead space creating any tension. It's not dead space creating. And like, for example, like pe- dead space doesn't always have to be a bad thing if it's serving something. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the best example of this might be Gojiazaki versus Vegeta. Disagree, but okay. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, because that's, uh, that was served the story of the match. What that story is. I, I, no one can give me a fucking straight answer, but it serves the story of the match. Um, I went on a journey with that match, by the way. I need to make a video on it at some point. But yeah, um, the the dead space here didn't really serve anything. It wasn't to get over a cell job. It wasn't to get over anything. It was just dead space because we didn't have anything to put there. It's like when you don't know what to to check on a form, so you just leave it blank and hope we don't mind. Mm. <laughs> I would argue the post-match from Suri did a better job of getting Unagi over than the match itself. Yeah. Because the promo at the end that Suri cuts about Unagi's growth since their final, their, her final match of the seven-match series, which was against Suri, but saying she still hasn't grown enough, and then proper gets behind her. Go and get that future belt. Don't waste the opportunity you've just had against me. Go and get that future belt. And then they cut to Mina literally having to fireman's carry Unagi to the back because she's just spent. I thought that was great. Now, if you have this go, even if this goes 13 minutes, Chris... Even if this match goes 13 minutes and then you add this promo on at the end, <laughs> bless you, Yeah, you have yeah, this get, promo go on the end. Again, I think stars. the perfect length, believe it or not, I think the perfect length of this match was like would be like six minutes. Mm. Not, that's not to disparage them. I just think the story they were trying to tell of Unagi can, it tries really hard, but um, falls at every turn. I think that's perfectly put over in six minutes. It can be, yeah, absolutely. I think, me personally, I think it needs a little bit longer, you know, just to tell that story of, you know, Unagi's resilience. I think it just needs to go a little bit longer. But I guess uh, if you have Shiri go completely kill mode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, I don't, I do like the fact that Shiri didn't execute a finisher in this match. Ah, she didn't need to. She just, she literally just punted her into unconsciousness. That that story isn't put over quite as well when 19 minutes is basically the average length of any other title match. Hmm. What did you give it, Chris? Um, three and a quarter. There's a, there's a lot of good there. Yeah, but but the dead space really really drags it. Chris, down. I've given it the exact same. Yeah. Let's move that, on. That way, things are only useful for organizing things in a spreadsheet. Don't put too much <laughs> stock into them. Um, let's move on then to Cinderella Summer Tour in Hamamatsu in on the 11th of July uh, in Hamamatsu, Shizuoka, Japan, at City Hamamatsu in front of 354 fans. Oh, 
very solid pronunciation. Thank you very much. Um, now, with this opener, Chris, um, I'm going to read the result, and then I'd just like to read you uh, a little transcription that I made. So, singles match uh, we opened with, with Micah defeating... Uh, Micah, sorry. <laughs> Micah defeating Mina Shirakawa. <laughs> Micah versus Mina Shirakawa ended in a time limit draw. Now, Chris, I'd just like to read you this, if that's okay. Uh-oh. Open quote. Yeah, but to stop you. Today is my first singles match with Big Boob Girl. All those belts she now has, well, I've already had them. Hmm. I'm getting excited. That is Micah's actual pre-match promo I'm for this really match. Im- I'm really impressed that it's taking less than ma- like. We don't se- we we don't sexualize wrestlers. We never plan to, but somehow um, the wrestlers are sexualizing each other before this podcast. <laughs> Just what the fuck, man? Yeah, like I hated it, this. I hate yeah like, so much. And people got putting up going, yeah, I hate Stardom. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> it's this, and it's happening around the same time as their weird bikini book, which is always an awful time to be on Stardom Twitter. Oh, I just... Uh, Do you know what, Chris? I actually understand the sort of subtext that they're going for. The whole thing where basically Micah believes that Mina is nothing but tits. Whereas Mina is trying to prove that, you know, there is more to her than that. I had a similar feud with some bitch in hide now. Uh, <laughs> but she, she thought I was nothing but tits. I, I get that all the time, man. Don't worry. I just... Yeah, you, have, you, have a, you have a fairly flat chest. Anyway, anyway. I just don't... Irrelevant if that was what they were going for, or if they are just going for Micah thirsting over Mina and then Momo for some reason. I just... I don't care. I don't want to see the opening exchange. Because it did take me out of the match completely. Having yeah. Micah effectively honk the boobs of Mina on yeah. several different and, occasions. And it's weird because, like, once they got over that and just started wrestling, it was fine. It was a fine match. But I didn't yeah. care at that point. I, I I kind of... re I Like, you could kind of read into it where Micah cost herself a win by dicking about. Maybe. But also, like... Her being cocky wasn't a problem before. I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't know what my read is. On I know the read is I don't like it, but other than that, I don't know what my read is on the storyline. Like, like I know nothing. Like I'm just watching this going. Is, is Micah being punished for something? I don't understand. Right, this is what I don't understand. They had an actual story thread in there with the fact that the belts that Mina has, even down to the colour of the artist belt she's mm-hmm. holding... Like, like, that could be really good. That could exactly. be... Exactly! Like, I am... Like, you could even do a, do a whole meta thing with, like, I'm from a generation of super rookies. What the fuck is this generation? Exactly! You're holding those belts that I used to hold and you're nowhere near worthy. That should have been the storyline. There's, there's something there, but, like, Stardom is so unbelievably fascinated by the fact that someone on their roster full of women has boobs. It's just... Oh. Also, Micah is a powerhouse and an excellent wrestler. Why is she being boiled down to this? Not especially when she already has an apparent obsession-fueled mini story going on with Momo. Is it what? What is going on? Is she just going to be thirsty before every single five-star match? 
remember to drink water, kids. It, this this wound me up. I mean, I haven't even <laughs> gone into the fact that the result makes no sense either. Yeah, like I, I was fine with the other two draws because like they were on similar positions exactly. on the card. Like here, you have former red belt champion, five star. Well, not five, red red belt championship contender, rather five star finalist, head of one of the big one of the most dominant factions in recent stardom history. Oh. Drawing mm. with the the girl who can barely get a win over fellow Wookies, Wookies, Wookies. <laughs> I just, yeah, the, the fact that this wasn't the only time let me draw on the fucking card wound me up as well. But yeah, yeah, we have a time limit. Made no sense either. No, it doesn't at all. Tam and Unagi versus Kaguma and Mayweather with like, Why the fuck no. would you not give Stars the win there? I'm not even feeding. Just, yeah. Um, this wound me up, and I was like, by this point, I was like, I don't want to watch the rest of this card. Because if that's what we're starting with, what the... F- oh, anyway, so I gave this match two stars, which potentially is too low, because it was yeah, actually gave- well wrestled. I gave it two and a half. It was... I'm not going to think about this match actively. I'm going to think about the promo for the rest of the fucking year. Like I, I imagine this is the start of an amazing running joke. But um, yeah, I am not going to think about this match for second this podcast ends. Let's run through a couple more results then. So this was followed by a three-way match with Shuri defeating Lady C and Utami in 9 minutes and 52 seconds. We then followed it with... A little bit of a weird match, really. A singles match with Julia defeating Saki Kashima in 11 minutes and 24 you know seconds. Re- you know what was really, really weird? The fact that I really enjoyed it. I was going to say the fact that it didn't go to a draw. The fact if that I, it didn't go to like, a draw, if, yeah. If I hadn't seen the results going in, if I'd have picked any match to go to a draw on this card, it would have been this one. But the, honestly, I really liked this match. It was fun. I liked it. Um, Julia... Hating people having heads, yeah, is something I can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. This is the match with the vicious headbutt in it, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying Orange Julia. She seems to be a bit more powerful than just regular ball Julia. She seems to be a bit mental. I think that's what they're going with with the whole ALK thing. So obviously that's madness, but she seems to be proper leaning into this mental Julia, and I really yeah. like that. Do you think she's discovered some new music recently? Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, possibly. Like, sometimes you discover music, and, like, for example, recently I've realised I quite like ska. <laughs> Why? Um, okay, first, the only ska band I ever liked before that was Streetlight Manifesto, because they're incredible. Okay. And then, um, recently I got into ska Tune Network, who is, um... <sighs> someone on YouTube who turns everything into Scar, and it's my new favourite thing, but their version of uh, of Toxic by Britney Spears is better than the original. Oh, I really like their version of Damn It by Blink-182. I'm going to get a litany of these shows put through, aren't I? You're going <laughs> to send me links to them. I know you are, because it's the kind of thing you do. I mean, like, you like the country one I sent you. I did like the country one you sent me, to be fair. Um, Blink-182 songs are better when other people come <laughs> This is the first time, apparently, in nearly 18 months that these two have faced off in singles competition. 
it, it did feel it did have that sort of air of freshness about it. I understand they've paired up they have faced each other in like umpteen different tag situations. Yeah, absolutely. But also, they're not the two kind of people who are naturally paired off. Like, so they wouldn't have faced since. Well, were they not on the same block last year in the five star? Saki wasn't in the five star. Oh, she was injured. Why am I? Why am I? What, what, I for some reason I'm ahead of a sire. No, it's Saki. Never mind. Um, yeah, like they don't. They're not normally naturally paired off. Like normally it was Tora and um, Julia staring each other down. Hmm. So, like, we've not really paired off since, um, properly since Saki broke Julia's undefeated streak. That was the thing I was going to say. The first person to hand Julia a pinfall loss was Saki. Mm-hmm. The bean sprout, as uh, Julia called her. Um, yeah, this gives me hope for Saki's five-star. Yeah, absolutely. Because she's very like she's very good at being an, like, an underdog while not being overly sympathetic, mm. which is hard to pull off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I say that someone's going to be cheering for her, Saki Senior. Saki's... I don't know what. I don't know what a month old. Something I did mean to say about Saki actually on the Corrigan show. I am a big fan of the uh, subtle Torah nuance tributes that she's doing. Mm-hmm. No, uh, that is really fun. Something else, Chris, and this this winds me up, right? <laughs> Julia, is something match bed doesn't have something that winds you up in it on the show. No, it it, it doesn't actually wind me up. She has one of the best submission finishers in the game, in the Stealth Viper. And she just doesn't use it. It really annoys me. She she no longer wants to do that. She just wants to drop people on their heads. That's all she wants to do. But that transition, uh, that sequence at the end where Saki blocks a backdrop driver into a Kishikasai attempt, which Julia then in turn reverses into... The upsettingly underused Stealth Viper was tremendous. It was so smooth. It was. If it was at the end of... I'm not saying this was a bad match, but if it was at the end of, like... A match with stakes. Yeah, if it was a, a match... Yeah, that would have been incredible. I'd have found this match more worthy of... No, this, as it stands, this is like a fun match. Fun seeing Saki in a proper single setting, because it's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, get off that a bit of that rust going into the five star. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I enjoyed this. Yeah, a no stakes match, but ultimately really enjoyable. Yeah, with a very very good ending. A very very good ending. I gave it three and a quarter, Chris. I so did I. We honestly were so in sync today, Chris. We only, we only seem to disagree on the big matches. That's true. That's true. We'll see. We'll see what we go. We'll see what we get with the. Uh, the bigger matches down the line. Um, the rest of the matches on this card, uh, semi-main, we've already talked about it, tag match, Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano and Yanagi versus Stars, Kaguma and Mayu went to a time limit draw in 15 minutes. No, makes no sense, but we'll move on. Um, and then the main event, six-woman tag team match, Queen's Quest, Azumi Momo Watanabe and Saya Kamatani defeated the Uida tag team of Konami Ruwaka and Starlight Kid in 15 minutes and 58 seconds. With that being said, we march on to the Cinderella Summer Tour like in Tokyo. Arrows. Like time's arrow. It never <laughs> stops marching forward. We all die one day. Um, night two on the 17th of July from Bell Cell 
Taka Dana Baba. I can never get that out first time. Um, Prince Ali, fabulous. <laughs> uh, in front of 415 people. So what the first result we had was three-way match. Starlight Kid defeated Azumi and Hina in eight minutes and 42 seconds. This was followed Amy. by... Have you ever wanted Hina in your Starlight Azumi match? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, this was a Starlight and Azumi match with some added Hina. Um, tag team match, the stars team of Hanan and Kaguma defeated Lady C and Tam Nakano in 9 minutes and 31 seconds. Um, this show's time limit draw came here with uh, the six-woman tag team match, Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Micah and Suri, and the Queen's Quest team of Momo, Saya and Utami. <laughs> Never perish for thought, Robert. Do you know what? At least you can't see a person who would have taken the pin in this. Yeah, because DDM doesn't have a fucking pin either. Well, that's we've got. I imagine the woman who's just come from at res. She's going to go to Cosmic Angels. I imagine Lady C is going to end up in DDM. Does we go from at res over thirty? So I don't think she'll fit in. It's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like if someone in their early twenties was on a podcast with someone in their thirties and then someone in their forties. You think that's fucking hilarious, don't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you look at me, I'm so fucking funny. <laughs> Bell end. Um, not all jokes are to make other people laugh. Sometimes you just tell jokes just for you. Um Semi main then, future of stardom championship match with Unagi Sayaka defeating like- Mina Shirakawa in this one. Hang on. You, uh... Hang on. Oh. In 14 minutes. Now you may uh, go. Did you watch their match in Yokohama? Well, were you mad that Unagi lost? Do I have the match for you? Yeah, it's it's essentially their Yokohama match. It was fine. It was okay. Some sloppiness, but they're rookies. It was okay. The huge thing that I take issue with here, Chris, the huge thing, right? Are you still mad about the joke I just told? Um, well, yeah, apart from that. Um, <laughs> we'll be having words when this podcast finishes. Um, no, the thing that winds me up is, Mina Shirakawa, okay, the whole thing is you have to be, you have to have under a certain amount of years um, wrestling experience. And Mina's about to have that run out, so they had to put it on Inaki. So why not just put it on Inaki at Yokohama? I don't know. Why not just put it on? Because they needed a reason to have a match with Shiri. Although her winning the future belt and then getting cocky and challenging exactly. Shiri would have, been a, would have been a much better story. I don't understand stuff. <laughs> You're taking the oh. long route and the long route didn't even have a nice view. Like, holy shit. Like, honestly... That entire arc. Like, I know that you're trying arc. to play on the fact that Yunagi wasn't ready in Yokohama, then she got the living you know what? Jimmy you know Naba by Suri, and now she is ready. I know what it's like. Have you ever watched um, Dragon Ball Z? No, Chris. Okay, so basically, sometimes we'd have... Like, basically, in any shonen anime, we have to, like, create filler arcs because they haven't made that, that chapter of the manga yet. Yeah. So, so it, it felt like that. It's like, oh no, we don't know what we need to do next. Quick, think of something. Make her a gobstopper. Like, that actually happened. <laughs> Goku became a gobstopper at some point. I just... Uh, do you know what? Fine, Unagi is future 
champion. She's yeah, now got no, she's now got fine, singularly like, more championship matches than anyone else on the roster. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's mad because like the, the original story, like I don't know what how this even helps Mina to be honest. Like no, the argument was this helps Mina because it's the fucking future belt. Who gives a fuck? She's so, lost like, it in a made, first defense so, against like, the same person. Yeah, so in like a purely after she'd been beaten up by Sherry a few days earlier. So like the You know what? It could have worked better. Why didn't Mina do that? I think that could have worked really well. Mina wins, gets cocky, challenges Shiri, um, gets her ass handed to her, and then she goes into this match injured and loses, loses to Nagi. Mm-hmm. That's a much better. But so many better arcs here, and yep. they chose this one. Well, I think the issue that a lot of people rightly have is the fact that Nagi and Mina are getting a lot of opportunities that other people aren't getting. I mean, Yunagi, right, has had SWA Championship match, a Goddess of Stardom Championship, a Goddess of Stardom Championship match that she had with Mina when Mina had been on the shelf for two months and had had one match, one match in 2021. Didn't that go stupidly long, no? That went long as well, yeah, and it was really bland and boring. Yeah, and, like, it was the fucking shreddies of matches. But, yeah... So Yanagi has now had uh, one SWA championship match. She's had a Goddess of Stardom championship match, two Future of Stardom champ, three Future of Stardom of championship matches, and six Artist of Stardom title matches. Now I know that obviously uh, she is and, an Artist and of Stardom champion. And uh, Cinderella. But seriously, that is an unreal amount of push. Yeah, I didn't notice how much she was. I, I knew she, I was seeing her way more than I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, Mina was out until March, and she has had one goddess of stardom, six artists of stardom, and two future belt shots. Yeah, when you look at the numbers, I can now see the sort of weight of it. I kind of get it. We're trying to get Cosmic Angels over. I I would assume... On Tam. But, you know... (laughs) Like, was there no, like, free agents they could bring in for a few months to establish it before they go? Well, I think the problem was that, obviously, they're trying to get Cosmic Angels over. That's absolutely fine. So, obviously, you know, they don't want Mina and Yunagi to be seen as, basically, Tam's friends. Because Mm -hmm. everyone, even, I mean, the rest of the roster see Cosmic Angels as Tam and friends. Yeah. Well, that's, that's still how I see them. That's still how I see them as well. And... Even though Mina has improved. Oh, they've both improved. <sighs> Unagi's still not very good. She's still improved. She has improved, yes. But... The... With the amount of push that she's had... I mean, don't forget that on top of all those championship opportunities, she won the Battle Royal... Um, at All Star really Dream Budokan. Really call that a big move? Doesn't big matter. Deal, Doesn't matter. She was the last person standing, um, and she came, She was in the semi-finals of the Cinderella tournament, and then on top of that, she had seven matches in her own series of singles matches. Mm, yeah, I agree that Nagi's probably getting way more than her experience would should allow her. Now, I I don't get me wrong. I completely understand that. 
in terms of the future belt, we are struggling in terms of who to push for it. Because yeah, obviously I'm now curious. Mina's out, it's Unagi and the kids. Oh yeah, it's Unagi and the kids, yeah. So like the Unagi winning without here makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'd have less problem with it if she'd have won it at Yokohama, Yokohama and went from the exact same path. Yeah, exactly. We, we took a long time. We took a long time to get to that point. Let's move on. Just yeah. Oh, anyway, because I'm the an issue I have as well is, and this is the last thing I'm going to say because we do need to move on. There is someone else who could have been challenging for that SWA belt. There is someone else. I know. I know that Himika is out injured, but she could have gone. You know, that's a position that someone like a Himika could have gone in, or I, I don't know a. Asaki. Well, you have right now. You have basically all of Queen's Quest. Exactly. <laughs> Saya Kamatani. Why not Saya? I mean, I, I know she had a goddess see... title match, but I, I guess we'd see that as a downgrade. They could have reignited the Momo thing. No one would have complained really for a filler feud. And uh, I've said that I do understand that we are bare bones with the roster at the moment with the oh, amount of injuries we've got. We're, we're trying to save everyone. Going into the five, five star. star, exactly because we can't afford any more injuries. So I, w- I will lay maybe off. Maybe we should stop making people go into draws, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe stop. Maybe stop that. Um. Anyway, let's move on to the whole point we're talking about the July seventeenth show, and that is the spectacularly named Starlight Kid Recapture Gauntlet match. Yeah, but I d- like recapture doesn't sound like a good thing. No, it doesn't at like, all. I don't want to. I don't want to be. Re- it's like something you hear in fucking Star Wars Battlefront. It sounds like, like yeah. Mayu's coming down with a big sack. The Empire has recaptured. <laughs> has like, recaptured Starlight. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but uh, Mayu Iwatani does defeat the Oida Tai team of Fukin, Death, Konami, yeah. Rina, Ruaka, and Saki in twenty-one minutes mentioned- and two seconds. Because I saw a lot of people who didn't watch Matt saying this was a burial of a Reditai. It objectively was not. Aweeditai first... fucked themselves over. Yeah, so essentially, okay, so first of all, you ha- in this match you had two children and death. Yep. Who, they were always going to lose, put them to the side. You have Saki, whose elimination was completely, um, like... It was coded as Mayu for barely got through Saki. Yeah. And then you have Konami who fu- who got fucked over the top rope because she stayed in a space too long. But, well, like, she got she like, ended up doing was, that because Ruwaka fucked her over by accident. Yeah, this was not a dominant performance by Mayu. Not by even any slightly. Imagination. No. Like, this isn't John Cena and the, the Wyatt family as I've seen it compared to. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Honest, no, it's nothing like that. Yeah, like, um, like this was definitely not a dominant performance by May. Um, I can see how, how on paper this looks like a bad thing, but like in practice, it was fine. It's prob it was a means to an end for a story. There's probably a better way they could have done it, but in the format they've done it, it's completely fine. Do you know and what? The, you know what? That's that's my uh, that that's my review of the match. You know, is it was completely fine. I, itself, these... I don't it's fine exactly like you've just said it's fine but for, yeah, for people not to watch it and then to go oh, they're burying a weed type fuck off no they're not honestly the entire way they've done this I, I actually disagree Chris I think they've done it fantastically they've done it brilliantly 
yeah, the well, entire inter- emotional drama of this oh, entire match. Booking wise was done really well. In ring, you know, you have two kids and death. So yeah, admittedly, um, admittedly, Fukuk and death stubbing our imaginary cigarette in Mayu's eyes did take away from the drama yeah. slightly. And I like the DQ at the end because yeah. it made the um, it made the betrayal make a lot more sense. Yeah, definitely. It's like this is very clearly planned from the off. Mm-hmm. And there's one more thing. What was it? Oh yes, I fucking called it. You did, mate. <laughs> Motherfuckers. You did. You called it. I'm. I'm not going to begrudge you that. You called it, and what a call I it called, was. I called it exactly. And I didn't call it as something they would do. I called it as something that would be cool, and we did, and we did it very clearly. Like, where's my fucking check, Rossi? Like, I'm very clearly owed ten percent for this angle. Something you didn't mention, Chris, and something I feel is perhaps the most important thing in this entire match. <laughs> I had to pause the match because I was laughing so much. <laughs> was when Mayu hits Konami with the moonsault. And just from out of screen, this fucking vegetable crate comes flying into the <laughs> ring. Hits Mayu on the head. And just this look of... Utter shock on Mayu's face. She's like, yeah, she, the fuck she, was that? She didn't even look like angry. She looked like a dog <laughs> who'd like farted themselves awake. Like, honestly, what like, an arm feel... that is from Ruaka. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. My favorite bit was when Death was doing her bit, but instead of um, doing the Death thing, she started pretending to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took away from the drama, didn't it? Ever so slightly having a clown oh, pretending Death... to smoke. But death has death never adds to the drama. No, that's true. That's true. Um, I did have I did have flashbacks when I heard that chain though. I was like, I, oh my I, god, they're gonna fucking hang her, aren't they? You know what? Well, at this point, I'm nostalgic about the chain. No, you're not. Don't, don't. <laughs> we know they listen, Chris. Why do all the red flags look like so much fun? <laughs> um. In all seriousness, the best bit of this match was um, Mayu and Zaki. I yeah, really, they, really like that. It, it, I'm really hyped for their five-star match now. Yes. Oh, I keep forgetting they're in the same five-star block. Um, I just I loved Mayu literally collapsing into Zaki with strikes. That was mm. just... And then just the, literally the l- smallest push and Mayu is down. That's why it's wound me up when you've said people who haven't even watched the match. Like, oh, it's a burial. No, it's great storytelling. How Mayu's adrenaline to get her friend back has literally forced her to get out of this fight. And the fact that Oida Tai have planned it so that they build Mayu up to this crescendo at the end of the match to only then have it completely ripped from it in the most heel way possible. No. Chef's kiss. Fantastic storytelling. To have Starlight as well, not even... Like just turn on Mayu in a heel way to be completely and utterly justified in turning to Mayu <laughs> and saying, "No, I want to make a name for myself. I no longer want to just be Mayu's companion. I want to be your greatest ever rival." That's fantastic. And I was talking to you, Chris, um, before we came on air. And I know that people are bored with stats and stuff, but just listen to this, right? Before Yokohama, or just after Yokohama Budokan in spring, so the 4th of April show, Starlight Kid had the worst, the fourth worst winning percentage. 
the only people with a worse winning percentage than Starlight Kid was Lady C, Goki Can Death, and Saya Ida. At that point in the 4th of April, Starlight Kid had won no tag team matches. She'd won three multi-woman matches. Why on earth would she want to come back to stars? The people who've been inherent losers for the entire of the year. The fact that she was made a complete fool of by Julia. No one in stars came to her aid. She was made to look like an absolute joke. And then, because of Mayu's all-out war on Oedetai, which completely blinkered her to everything going on around her, she loses Starlight to Oedetai, promises that she's going to get Starlight back the first thing she ever does, and then goes for the tag belts at the next pay-per-view with her new best friend, Kaguma. Why the fuck would Starlight want to come back? Yeah, it's like the one well-built, really well-built story in stardom right now. Exactly, and it makes perfect sense. I want to go out on my own. Motivations are all there. Motivations are all on the screen. This isn't like, again, like Tam and Sire where they barely um, talk to each other and then it was put as this grand narrative. No, this is like, oh, there, this can all kind of be traced back. And then you have Starlight selling it really well. Mayu, who looks like a Again, just, she always looks confused, but she looked more confused than usual. She looked emotionally broken. Mm-hmm. And now she's just going to like check out, start smoking, start drinking. <laughs> she's going to be beating Koguma. I love beating Koguma. <laughs> I love the fact that this is even permeating Mayu's real life because Mayu couldn't get up to get from Tokyo to... Was it Osaka she missed the bus to? Or was it Sapporo? Yeah. Oh yeah, but... um, which was a four-hour journey, and you're like, I'm not surprised Starlight wants to be your carer or doesn't want to be your carer anymore. Um, but yeah, this this is this you know is like, brilliant. Have you ever watched Formula One? Have you watched Formula One? I watched Formula One, yeah. Okay, so you know, at the end of the 2018 season, when Daniel Ricciardo was leaving for um, Renault from Red Bull, yes, um, and then he retired. I think it was in Mexico, and then just threw the, um. He threw the steering wheel and was like, Pierre Gasly can have this fucking car. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. It is a little bit. Um, oh, my God. And the fact that those two are in the same five-star block. Yeah, that's definitely the headliner of that block. Oh, my God. And the fact that it's on the last night as well. It's in the block yeah. finals. Fuck yes. Starlight, Starlight versus May fucking My Way by Limp Bizkit. So that's playing. Oh. <laughs> You think you're special? You do. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, Let's move on then. So we'll move on. We've got two more shows to cover. The first is from the 18th. Well, we can't really, we can't really cover them, Rob, because we've only seen one match from them, because that's all that's out. So let's just cover that match, and then we'll talk about them next time. Do you not want to talk about Toshigi? The 18th of July. Oh, yeah, the 18th of July happened. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm just going to run through the card, Chris. Yeah, I, d- I don't think, yeah, none of these are at all important. Holy shit. Um, I forgot about it. I've, I've, I've watched matches on this card. This was a mess show. It was. Don't, don't watch Tushigi. No, uh, it's, the one, it's the one show 
out of all of them that I would actively encourage you to avoid. It's it is quite literally for completionists only. Um, so yeah, Stardom Cinderella tour in Toshigi, 18th of July, um, from the new Sumpaya in Toshigi, Japan, uh, in front of 228 people. So the results are as follows. Start with the tag team match. The Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Saikamatani defeated Lady C and Mina Shirakawa in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, Julia defeated Hina, 7 minutes and 40 seconds. The Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka defeated the Awida Tai team of Ruwaka and Saki Kashima by DQ in 10 minutes and 43 seconds because since Starlight Kid has turned Awida Tai have done nothing but lose. Um, Donna Del Mondo, this is our this is our obvious uh, time limit draw for the show. Um, the Donna Del Mondo team of Micah and Suri and the Queen's Quest team of Momo and Utami went to a time limit draw in 15 minutes. And the main event was a six-woman tag match with stars, Hanan, Kaguma and Mayu Itani defeating the Uedatai team of Konami, Rina and Starlight Kid in 16 minutes and four seconds. Um very quickly then, Chris, obviously you made the point, we can't review the entire of Cinderella Summer Tour in Sapporo Day 1 because the entire show isn't up. However, we can talk about the title match. Now, before we talk about the title match, I want to talk about the venue. Uh, Sapporo Ewan Stadium, apparently, in front of 197 people. Now, Chris, I don't know about you, but I've never actually seen a show where there is a climbing wall in the background um and five aside pitches yeah it's literally like my primary school gym that yeah now i know that obviously a lot of the shows are in gyms and you know quite often you see like basketball nets on the wall and stuff like that but they've they've covered stuff up but <laughs> i don't know what it was there was like a little cafe as well where the parents sit when their children go climbing <laughs> Yeah, it's like how sometimes British wrestling shows are running like arts menus, and it was like incredibly obvious. Yeah, or like you know, you know, it's like couldn't have been more obvious if he did it on like a fucking university squash course, and you could see the people going to class behind it. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a weird one. This um, yeah. it was a weird venue. Um, but anyway, the one match we're going to talk about is the main event, the fifth match, the Wonder of Stardom Championship match, with the champion Tam Nakano retaining over the challenger Starlight Kid in 21 minutes and 13 seconds with the Twilight Dream. This is Tam's third successful title defence. Um, Chris, opinion of this match? Um, with Starlight and Tam, great. Really good. It's the best item match in a while. It's definitely Tam's best match this year. This is really good. Would you like me to allow? I guess you do. It's my. It's, it's a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. One thing because at the start it was effectively Tam Starlight from January, but with the roles reversed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but then, and this was so seamlessly implemented that it like made me gasp when it was brought back in. So at the start of the match, Oedetai Bollocks happens, Saki removes the ring apron. And then it's just not an element for like the next seven-ish minutes of the match. And they just continue having a match until all of a sudden... And I was thinking, it's like... I remember at this point thinking, well, at this point, it's kind of just the same matches. Before, I liked the matches before, so I guess I like this. And then Starlight hoofs Tam into the corner. And then the match completely changes. 
it goes from like your standard thing to Starlight relentlessly going after the back and like doing her normal moves, but instead of like doing it to the head up to the stomach, doing it to the back. And that's such good shit. <laughs> and it's so great. And like Tam not being able to bridge properly at one point off of a tiger suplex because um her back's so weak, so Starlight can just roll out. Great. Uh, like from that moment onwards, this match was great, and I preferred it to Ju- Julia's match uh, with Tam because that didn't really have a structure. This had a very clear, very defined structure, and I live for that shit. And the fact that they could bring in, make an element like a um, shot to the turnbuckle, such a big deal in 2021. That's so hard to do, and we managed it. It was great. I adored this match. And it makes that backbreaker I saw going around um, Twitter beforehand even better because it actually served its purpose. Great stuff. Starlight was like a shark. As soon as yeah. she flung Tam yeah. into the corner... Like fucking shark to blood. Everything. Everything went to the back. And there was there was one moment, and it was a really, really innocuous moment, really. But there was one moment where Tam was sort of lying in the ropes... And Starlight hit a forearm into the back of Tam. And you could just tell by the sound it made that Starlight proper lamped a one in the back. And Tam selling for that moment and for the entire match, just that winded sound, the cries every time she hit the floor. It was brilliant. It was a masterstroke in selling. She sold tremendously in this match and we talked about Starlight Kid's heel character and she hasn't gone all out into this heel thing it's not a case of um, Awida Tai coming into the ring and every time the referee's back's turned she's calling in Awida Tai she's using them subtly like you saw a whisper Mm -hmm. to Saki a couple of seconds before Saki took the turnbuckle cover off Mm. and also um, she's not healer, she's just more vicious. Exactly. And I love that. I love that. She just wants to win and she will do anything to win. She's it's stuck, not she's stuck in a way to tie, but like at this point to her there are means to an end. Exactly. Even but like because in this match she knows that she's still bottom of Uedatai, but Uedatai is still gonna help. They still want gold in the faction. So they're going to help. I love it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a fantastic match. Easily top 10 stardom matches of the year. Yeah, easy. Oh, God, yeah, easily. Now, something I did want to say, and there's loads to talk about in this match, but just go and watch it. It's it's easily the best match since Yuri Utami, definitely. Yeah. One thing I will say is there's a lot of people saying, Tam's reign, where's it gone wrong? You know, Tam's matches, where's it gone wrong? I am going to put a stop to that nonsense now. Because... <laughs> we, had a whole, we had a whole discussion about this on the last podcast. Also... No, 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 no. Oh, right. Well, see, so you're not... Okay, fucking hell. Hang Go on. Ahead. Hang on. No, no. I I know that we talked about the booking of it. That That's fine. I don't, well, I don't book, mind that. The booking's bad, then I stand by the fact that the Saiyan match was awful. No, I, mate, I am standing with you. I, however, am saying... the people sink? I love the fact that we've linked it back to Lay Miz. That's amazing. I stand by the fact that that's an anomaly. She's had four matches for the white belt. The Julian match, 
Tremendous. Four and Very a quarter good. to four and a half stars. The Natsupoi match was better than either of us anticipated, and we yeah. both gave four and a quarter to four and a half stars. No, I gave it four. Okay, well, I gave it four. Even so, you good. don't had give four-star matches at the moment. You are very difficult to please. I, I do give four-star matches. You know this. You stalk my friend. I give plenty four-star matches. Starlight Kid, four and a quarter to four and a half stars. Um, yeah, very good. Very that good. doesn't sound to me like a woman whose reign is stuttering. That yeah, doesn't sound to, to me. No, but I, you also need to put in context that we went months between matches that certain matches weren't built proper because also the the, the Natsupoi match in the built that could have been built slightly better right now i am going to talk to you about that because i've rewatched it obviously for this book and actually uh-huh. ju- it's it's not told in the best way it's not told fantastically is it, but it is told here uh, that's the point. I apologize. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. It's better built. Like there's build there. There's, yeah. object, there is build there. And if you watch I'm the saying... press conference, it does it even more. And obviously, we've got the uh, the VTR, which does a fantastic job of summarizing it all. And that is actually really well built. And the second time I watched that match, you actually pick up on little things. And the story is there for that match. Obviously, you've got the feud with Julia, and obviously, you've got the stuff with Starlight. You've got the things with the callback to their January match, the callback to the fact that you know they had that those dueling Tiger suplexes. You've got the whole thing with Starlight embodying this heel faction, whereas you've got Tam, the ultimate babyface, and you know that comes to a really good match. We talked till we were blue in the faces with the Sire match. You know it. I know you really didn't like it. I didn't particularly like it. I think I gave it three and a half. No, I gave it three and three quarters, didn't I? Um, It's easily the weaker of the matches for me, but I think Tam's reign has been good. The fact that she hasn't had more defences... Yeah, Yeah, I can see that that being incredible criticism. I think when people were talking about this, especially in the context of... These discussions were happening around and coming out of Versailles. Matt. So you have to understand having those conversations then and having those conversations after what is probably the best match of her reign. And definitely the best match of her year. So but by extension, best match of her reign. Um you're gonna be in a different, completely different place thinking about this reign. But even so, after the Sire one, you're still looking at one match, whereas the Julia and the Natsupoi matches were great. And then yeah, you look at Tam before talking, that. When I was talking about the... I'm not talking about you. Yeah, all right, all right, James. Don't worry. I'm not we're the only vo- talking we're about the only you. voices that matter on this podcast, and this is our platform. <laughs> I'm just saying that for those who've said that Tam's reign is a bit of a damp squib, it's not. I I sound of them in some sense where it could have been, it, it could have been more so far. Do you but, think it's been affected somewhat by the circumstances surrounding injuries and injuries I'm not COVID, saying yeah, but, I'm not but, saying but, that but, that is the sole reason by any stretch no, of the imagination, but, like, but it's it's definitely been affected. Yeah. but also that's partly down to the fact that Stardom can't fucking change their plans. Like we just object. Like look at the Cinderella. We just straight up had um, stuff that was designed for when the Cinderella was over a few days, rather than when the Cinderella was over 
it went over like two months or something mad, didn't it? Mm. Like, are you talking about Mike's injury? Yeah, yeah like I thought he they be. just don't change plans or narratives sometimes, even when they really need to. Um, in terms of this match, then, Chris, what are you giving it? Um, four and a quarter. Very, very good. Yeah, I think I, I think I gave it four and a half. Um, loved it. Really, really loved it. And if Starlight continues this trajectory, you know, putting on these really, really good matches, she has a good five star. She could be the one in the final from Red Block. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get on to that when we talk about... Actually, five stars next, isn't it? Okay, let's, talk about, five, here. let's, let's talk about the five star. Let's talk about the five star. So, um, for those who are listening to the podcast, you know, the chances are you know what the five star is. For those that don't, um, the five star is basically like the New Japan G1 Climax. It's two blocks of... Of Dampin' Carnival, of the N1 Victory. Every, every Japanese com- the f- company is going. Zero One's Fire Festival. <laughs> Yeah, the Wrestle One Grand Prix. Um, basically, it's two blocks Wrestle of wrestlers round robin anymore. <laughs> they uh, a round robin competition with the two block finalists going together at the end in the final. Um, it's you can you can work this out as you go. Ten wrestlers in each block. Now, obviously, when the blocks were announced uh, originally, Natsukatora was in the red block. Obviously, she is out for between nine and twelve months with her knee injury. So, Fukigen Death has replaced uh, Natsukatora. Um, we weren't told who X was in the Blue Stars uh, block, um, but Sayakamatani in the press conference, in possibly the greatest unscripted moment in the world, um, accidentally told everyone that it was Takumi Aroha because it was supposed to be announced at the Marvelous show. <laughs> <laughs> And Saya Kamatani let it slip at the press conference so everyone knew. Which is just tremendous. A couple of notes. First of all, how the fuck wasn't that me? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely fair. Don't know how that wasn't me. Second of all, I wouldn't be surprised if Saya ends on zero wins. <laughs> Being punished. Rossi has come out and said, Do you know what? It's just Saya. So I don't think she's gonna get punished. Yeah, like if if he thought that, we should have we should have seen that coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, amazing. Like if I was in WWE, you'd be shot. Oh yeah, and, definitely. You know, if that was in New Japan, you'd be shot. If I was literally anywhere but Stardom, I think you might be shot. Just oh my god. Um so just a couple of things. Um obviously like You know said, what? Do you think there's a chance that um that Aroha might take liberties? Yes, <laughs> well, the, there is that. In their five star it's like you ruined the marvelous show you That was my return it's match. Like, yeah, like she just goes completely mad, starts throwing her around, and Sai's just like, ah, isn't this something we can discuss? <laughs> and Roha's just like, I'll treat you like a discus, you piece of shit. But yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, there are 10 wrestlers <laughs> in each block. Um, we'll talk about those in a minute, but a couple of things going forward. So a couple of the past winners, um, we've got Yuzuki Aikawa won it in 2012, um, and it's been running ever since then. So the other winners have been Nene Takahashi, Io Shirai, Kairi Hojo, um, Yokobito, Tony Storm, Mei Witani, Hana Kimura, and Yutami Hayashishita. Now, now watch me whip. <laughs> watch me, Nene. 
No, I'm going to be a liability on the cast tomorrow, aren't I? You are. Um, ordinarily, the winner will get a shot at the red belt, and that's been the case for everyone except for Io Shirai in 2014. There have only ever been two winners of the five-star that have been successful in those red belt matches. Um, obviously, Utami last year was successful against Mayu Iwatani at Sendai Cinderella. Chris, can you guess the other person who was successful? Was it Storm? It was Storm, also against Mayu Iwatani. <laughs> so she's been the champion against both people who've been successful. Nobody else has been successful in their um, title match after winning the five-star. In terms of the people that are in the tournament, um, I'm going to run through some stats for each person. So we're going to start with Red Block. <laughs> um, Julia, um, this is her second tournament. Uh, she finished no. fifth in the block last year, and that is, to this date, obviously, her best finish. Uh, Momo Watanabe from Queen's Quest. This is her fourth tournament. Uh, her best result, she finished third in the block in both 2018 and 2019. Uh, Fukigan Death. Last year, she was being very well. Oh, yeah. Fukigan Death, um, obviously replacing Natsu Katora. This is her fifth tournament. Um, she finished third in the block in 2014 and 2015. Um, Saki, this is her fourth tournament. She finished fifth in the block in 2012. Starlight Kid, this is only her second tournament, and she finished eighth in the block last oh, yeah, year. She didn't do too well last year. She didn't do very well at all. Um Natsupoi, uh, from Donna Del Mondo, she um this is her second tournament entered because of course she entered back in twenty sixteen in her first in with Stardom where she finished sixth in her block. Um, Himika from Donna Del Mondo. This is her second tournament. Uh, obviously, she was last year's runner-up, losing to Yatami in the final. Um, Kogame, uh, this is her second tournament. Uh, she finished sixth in her block in 2014. Uh, Mina Shirakawa, it's her tournament debut. Uh, Mayu Tani um, is the most tenured wrestler, as you would expect, in red block and indeed the tournament. Uh, this is her eighth tournament and obviously she was the 2018 winner in terms of the blue block we have got Utami Hayashita Queen's Quest the reigning red belt champion and the reigning five star winner this is her fourth tournament and obviously she that is her best um tournament Sturi from Donna Del Mondo this is her second tournament and she finished second in the block last year white belt champion Tam Nakano this is her fifth tournament and she finished second in the block in 2019 Sai Kamatani from Queen's Quest this is only her second tournament it was a debut last year she finished sixth in the block in 2020 uh, Micah second tournament again third in the block in 2020 Azumi this is her third tournament she has finished seventh in the block in both tournaments 2019 and 2020 it's Ruaka's tournament debut. It is Unagi's tournament debut. Uh, Konami um, has entered four tournaments. This is going to be her fifth. She was the 2019 runner-up and is the fourth of only four people who've made it through to the final in this field of 20 this year. 
Um, and we've got, finally, from Marvelous, Takumi Aroha. This is her third tournament, and her best finish was when she finished fourth in the block in 2014. Um, now, the matches for the opening night have been announced. So the first two days. Now, I believe that these first two days are live on pay-per-view, but they will not have English commentary because of scheduling difficulties, apparently, or so I've read oh, on yeah, Twitter. August, I'm pretty sure August 1st sees um, Marafuji taking on Sakuraba. So I imagine that's where Stuart Fulton is. Yeah. So um, in he, terms of the first two days... We can't, can't function about Stuart. <laughs> um, in terms of the first two days, the opening night sees Julia versus Starlight Kid, Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe, uh, Fuking Death versus Mina Shirakawa, Natsupoi versus Kogama, Yutami Hayashishita versus Mika, Suri versus Sayakamatani, and Tam Nakano versus Ruaka. Um, I'll just read through August 1st as well, Chris, and then we'll talk about what we've seen so far. August 1st, uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Julia, should be very tasty. Uh, Momo Watanabe versus Natsupoi, um, Aphrodite Explode. When Utami you she takes on Saya Kamatani. Suri versus Micah, Tam Nakano versus Konami, and Azumi versus Ruaka. So, Chris, we're not gonna go through every single night and you know, every single um matchup, but of those two opening nights, what are you excited for? Um, Mayu versus Momo well Mayu versus Momo will fuck um, that's probably versus Koguma is going to be interesting it's going to be Koguma's first real high speed test mm-hmm. so that's going to be very interesting um, Shiri versus Saya could be good there obviously Julia versus Kids what I'm most looking forward to in day one yeah definitely it's, it's the rematch of um, is it Stardom match it's that or Yashiko Mayu yeah, that's um, start of match of the year for you, and also the roles are completely resolved, are completely switched. It would not surprise me if Starlight Kid wins. Yeah, well, I wouldn't surprise me if she didn't either. I wouldn't surprise me. Actually, absolutely wouldn't surprise me if we went to a draw at Stardom. But um, in a tournament yeah. setting, I'm I'm not particularly oh, bothered. In, I'm, in not, this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna agree for single draw in the five star. No, you have my guarantee. Um, apart from if the pacing is off, because just keeping a fucking twenty minute time limit, I'm mad. Why? What about day point two, is, Chris? Um, day two, Mavis Julia was good last year. I it was quite good. great. Um, had a great ending. Um, uh, Momo versus Natsupoi. We haven't seen a, these two have a ton of interaction. So, again, interest it's more interesting than good as it stands. But I imagine it would be good because it's Momo. Mm-hmm. Um, Utami and Saya again, that's the second best, best match from Budokan. So, yeah, agreed. Um, but I, I, rematch there would be good. Um, Shuri and Mike is probably my favorite DDM dynamic, apart from Mike and Julia, I guess, when Julia just sort of kept landing on her neck. 
Um, Tam Konami, that's already shown to be very good. They might have shot themselves in the foot having it so close to the five star, but you know, I'm sure it still could be grand. Yeah, they two very solid opening days. One thing I am noticing is that Aroha didn't turn up for a fucking while, does she? No, Aroha's first match, I believe, is August 29th, and then she runs all her matches through September. Yeah, I guess that's why Five Star is so stilted this year. Yeah. Because there's some days we just have one match, some days we have several. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it's so stilted. Because, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of fucking Marafuji in the Champion Carnival. <laughs> Well, he didn't turn up until like the fourth, fifth day. <laughs> um, in fact, Takumi Aroha's first match, I believe, is Micah ah, on the 29th. I, I, I assume that's one of your next questions is, in general, what matches are you looking for? That's exactly what I'm going to ask, and then we'll go through the final day as well. Okay, so in terms of matches to look out for, I'll do this block by block. Um, beyond the ones we've already talked about, um, I think there's some. I have some weird picks. Okay. For for example, I think Mina and Saki will fit together like a glove. Really? Because neither of them are really high impact styles. So that's on August eighth. Yeah, I think again that's going to be more interesting than it is good. Okay, but I think that could be interesting. Um, I think Mayu and Saki something to look out for. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I I do agree with that. That's that's towards the end of the block as well. That's September twentieth. Mm-hmm. Um, Saki could play major spoiler there. Exactly. Um, I think Mayu versus Himika just because it was good in last year's five star. Um, I think maybe Himika Julia because it's always interesting to see into DDM stuff, but also. I've not been a fan of any of their previous matches. So, there. Um, and then Momo versus Mina, because Momo's easily given Mina her best match. And also Starlight versus Koguma, just because, again, high-speed test, but also Starlight doesn't like Koguma very much. So, I think that could be interesting. And then going on to Blue Block, um, I'm going like, to like, there's not a weak field, but I'd say blue blue stars is definitely stronger. Oh well, I mean you've got three champions in there. Yeah, well, you, that's thing. You've got three champions, and that well, you've, yeah, you've got basically the three singles champions. And actually, no, we have more than that because Unagi's future now. We have four champions in I'm there. Not counting that, and you know I'm not counting that. Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> but yeah, within there, um, obviously the Utami Shiri. Mm-hmm rematch which isn't on the last day which i'm not mad about because it's not it's a rematch of a match people liked it's not this big storied rivalry yet so it doesn't need to be on the last day it it uh, could be going forward but i do see where you're coming from it's september the yeah, 4th like, i think people are sort of pushing it into being this all-time great series when it's we've only had one match mm. so for well, two matches technically because they met in the five star not for in cinderella mm. um I'm just going to get out of the way and say basically all of Takumi Aroha matches. <laughs> like, Kervis is Utami. Sounds amazing. Kervis is... Sh- well, that's on the last day, so we'll get to that. Um, I want to see Tam get kicked the fuck out of. Um, I want to see Izumi do the thing where she jumps off and gets knocked out of the sky, but it's one of Aroha's kicks. Um, I want to see her destroy the children. <laughs> watching Aroha absolutely obliterate yeah, Ruaka. Like, literally, literally... 
Oliver Rohan's matches. I'm just going to get that all the way out right now because there's no story reason. I don't really watch Marvelous. I need to go and watch their anniversary show because I've heard the matches from there are very good. Um, but as it stands, Rohan just is really fucking good. And I'm really looking forward to a Tina mix. I love outsiders in tournaments. Mm-hmm. Like, especially something like this where, like, the blocks sort of become obvious and in some way, like, homogenized. But, like, let this way. How much of a fucking shot in the arm was Moxley in the G1? Or Marafuji and Shingo in the Champion Carnival? Or even something like Asakuraba in um, the N1 last year? Like, she just brings this completely different dynamic because despite what you would believe looking at some Twitter, um, the way Marvelous structures their matches are completely different. And that is sort of seen by how different the Mayu and Rojo matches were last year compared to everything else and how much the Queen's Quest versus Marvelous tag stood out. Mm. So it's interesting. Like, I don't think Aroha should stay in Sardom full time. I think that's a really bad trap to fall into to go, I want this person I like to automatically go to this place I like because then I won't need to go on my way to watch them. Mm. Because I think Aroha might get lost in, not lost in the shuffle, but I think Aroha would just not be pushed as hard in Sardom as she is in Marvelous. So I think she's in the right place. I think this special attraction deal is perfect for her. But beyond the Aroha stuff, um, Shiri and Konami. I'm really interested to see if they ramp up their dynamic for Budokan because in Budokan, they didn't really escalate. If you know what I mean. They didn't have time. No, okay. They, maybe they didn't have time. But also, like, it sort of fit the story where Konami was trying to beat Shiri at what yeah. Shiri does. Whereas now Konami might take advantage of your radar type thing because a theory I want them to do, which I put past you. Which I agree is, with. I want Ruaka to act like Tora because it acts within her character because she's mini Tora. Um, I want her to act like Tora, even bring the chain back. Maybe not a chain, maybe bring a rope. Um, actually, <laughs> that, that a rope is somehow more uncomfortable. Uh, bring an axe. I don't know. Something um, more than that stupid vegetable crate she carries around. Yeah, bring something of substance and then start injuring like it obviously this isn't going to work on everyone like she can try and injure a row her a row her kicks from the face and loses right because i do not expect ruaka to get one win here maybe unagi i was like just that. gonna say but also like look at how unagi's been positioned so probably not right so if Oedetai in theory will know this like uh, i got pointed out by velcro on twitter when i first looked at this theory that she's not necessarily above or below Konami. But like in terms of who you'd put, pick to try and win blue block if you're a Reditite, it is it the teenager or Konami? It's like, obviously it's Konami. Mm, definitely. So I want her to start injuring people to give Konami easy wins. And again, it doesn't need to work on everyone, but you can sacrifice, say, a Micah for one match or a Azumi for one match. Yeah, or even, or like even she doesn't exactly need the help, but like a Nunagi for one match because that creates a good through line. Like I feel like it's what they would have been going for last year if there was more than one Oeda type person in each block. Like Tora injures people to set them up for the next. Like I don't know, I just think it's a good way to take Oeda standard thing and then put it into narrative. Anyway, um. Micah and Konami, I think well, they should fit together really well. Um, I reckon 
of course, the civil war between the two major champions in Utami and Tam. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they'll fit together well. Um, Utami Shiri, um, the five star being rigid, having a rigid time limit will take away my main problem with that match. She made abundantly so, clear. Yeah, I, you still sound mad about me with this opinion. No, not at all. Carry on. No, no, that'll be fine. Uh, Micah versus Unagi, because Micah had Unagi's best singles match today. So, yeah, overall, two very strong blocks. Mm. I mean, looking at it for me, you've you've mentioned a good deal of them there. Um, I'm interested to see the Starlight Kid and Natsupoi rematch um, from... I think that's August 8th, that match. Yeah, that was very good. And very again, good. well, roles haven't reversed more than Starlight's just a dick now. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, I really like the idea of Mayu and Himika again. Um, that's August 28th. They did face off it um, in the Cinderella as well, didn't they? It was good last year with Cinderella. It was. It was good. Um, in the fi- Do you mean the five-star? Yeah, I keep getting yeah. fucking... Nah, don't up. worry. Um, you, you mentioned... All of Arrowhead matches, but in particular for me, Tam versus Arrowhead on September 6th. And I, I do agree. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Arrowhead versus Konami, which is September 4th. That's going to be a banger. It's not just that. Like, they're both really good grapplers. They're both really good kickers, but like Konami leads more towards the grappling, and Arrowhead leads towards the kicking. I think it's a good dynamic. It writes itself. Very, it does. You're Again, absolutely I can't, right. We can't have, neither me or Rob can have any pretense of some deep story reason of why Aroha should do something. We're just basing it off the fact that we've, um, we, we've seen her Mayu match it, um, um, Mayu matches from last year. I've seen a few beyond that because they've been recommended to me and <laughs> she's just cool, man. She is. She's brilliant. <laughs> she's just fucking awesome. Um, Question then. So you look at the big three champions in this block. No, I'm not talking about Unagi. Um, Iroha has Utami September 20th. She has mm-hmm. Suri September 25th. And she has uh-huh. Tam September the 6th. Do you see Iroha picking up a victory against any of those people and having that championship match? Now, I'm not saying. I can't imagine that they wouldn't put her in the tournament and have her beat at least one of these champions. I think Utami would make sense. I think a cross-promotional thing would do well for the Red Belt. I think that would help cement Utami since they basically neglected her in the first part of the year. Well, you look at her Mayu matches. I think in, in our Stardom Cast end of year awards, I think her matches with Mayu were number one and number two in our singles oh, yeah, matches she, of the year. And then, and then it went tag as well. I think it was she either won, first or second. Yeah, Queen's Quest versus Marvelous. Yeah, I disagree with that decision, but like she was definitely second best tag. So, yeah, um, it it like it, it, basically an extra match with Aroha is going to help whatever champion is given because b- defeating outsides, um, invading a figure of a different promotion is it shows you have faith in that person. Because hmm. I don't see Roha winning the belt. I... It'd be cool. No. It'd be cool, but like she'd be a part-time champ. She has commitment. Then again, Marvelous only runs. They don't run too often, do they, Marvelous? Nowhere near as often as Stardom. Yeah, so like it, it'd be easy to get her for big matches, and it's not like they pair people off properly anyway for it to be noticeable. 
Um, so if I was booking it, I'd have the win be over Utami for that, her to then prove herself. I think because I think that might just make up for the neglect of the big two shows at the start of the year. But also, I find the thought of Rojo versus she, I don't, I don't want it to be Tam. I for some I don't know why, but I find that to be the least interesting option. That's Although the one I think it will be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but like to me, it's the least interesting option. I I I don't know. I like. I think just in terms of wrestling mechanics, there's more to be done with Shiri and Itami, because again, you need, kind of need to the five star match and basically going in cold. Hmm. So I don't know. But this may be something that I completely change my mind on when I actually see the matches. This is all just it, it's glo- it's not even glorified conjecture. It's just straight up conjecture. It's speculation at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like if I was to make the call now, I would make it Utami. I think that would be a big help after a bit of a slow start. Okay, so next thing we'll do, and then you'll like this, Chris, because I know you like stuff like this. Uh, the final day, um, which is the block finals, effectively. Um, with I believe the final will take place on this day as well. I believe. Yeah, that's what happened last. That's, that's what, what happened last happen. year, wasn't it? But again, that's what tends to happen. Who knows? Um, so September the 25th. Yeah, well, yeah, of course it will, because it's at O Towards City Gym, isn't it, where they've just mm-hmm. held Tokyo Dream Cinderella. So that'll be where it's held. So you'd have thought the final will be there as well. So September 25th, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Julia versus Momo Watanabe. Uh, what I imagine will be the main event of these block matches in May Iwatani versus Starlight Kid. Well, the oh. main event will be different the- depending on what the... This will be more to serve the five star than it will be to serve the feuds. Yeah. So, like, if Julia versus Momo is means more to the current standings, I will go ahead. As is the case with any of these matches, but I, honestly, I think just looking at this is fairly easy to tell who the de facto. You can tell who the dark horses are based on who they have. Like Shiri will be a dark, um, will be just behind and probably fall to a Roha or something, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Um, you'll have. But I think for the most part, the de facto block finals will probably be Julia Momo and Mayu Starlight. Because it was pointed out to me on stream last night, I think it was, it was either Velkic or Val pointed this out, it's probably Valkic, Um where um, Momo and I forget what it was because he did so much weird shit on that stream. But um, Momo and um, Aroha have previous, I think Aroha might have trained momo or something or like similar class something they have previous so that would that would be like a satisfying finals from that perspective but also a lot of people so like they're not gonna have momo win the g they're not gonna have momo win the five star no but also like I i think that's why they've chosen momo julia as because no because they might have a roha as the big dominating ace to get through. They're in different blocks. Yeah, but like, if they're the fucking finals... Oh, I see what you mean. Dip- Sorry, I thought you meant for Mo... Oh, right, okay, yeah. No, so like, if Julie goes through, that would be a big February and a cap to... Be- and honestly, I can... It's on the fight, we don't need to worry about drawing, really, so they could, in theory, throw Momo through if they wanted to. I don't see them wanting to, that's the thing. So, yeah, if I had to predict the finals, it's probably um, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Rojo's in the finals. 
to, I guess, a Roja Julia. Or ever being very, very, very... Ever being like, we really want this match to happen again. Um, I guess a Mayu. Um, if Julia's not final, I think a Mayu or Roja rematch would be the most likely. But also, why would they throw that, that away on the, champ- on the finals? I don't know. The fact that we don't need to worry about selling another event for this kind of blows it wide open because last year, um, even on the final day, I didn't see Utami going to the finals. Certainly and didn't I didn't see Utami winning it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we can speculate, but I think until even up until the final day, we might not even know. Like, there's people we can knock out, obviously. It's not going to be Nagi, it's not going to be Mina, it's going to be Ruaka. Yeah. Um, You'd be surprised but, if it's Azumi. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's Azumi Natsupoy. I'd Kaguma. even be surprised. I'd even be surprised if it was Kid. But like, honestly, if a, a somewhat senior um, fixture in the upper mid to main card, then you know what? I think we have a chance. The remainder of the block finals is. Fukigan oh, Death versus Saki. No, don't worry. No, don't worry. It fit in. Um, it's Fukigan Death versus Saki. Himika versus Kaguma. Uh, Natsupoi versus Mina. Utami versus Tam. Champion versus Champion. Siori versus Takumi Aroha. Sayakamatani versus Ruaka. Mika versus Konami. Azumi versus Yunagi. Now, piggybacking on what you've said in terms of blue block, you look at Micah versus Konami. That's a potential block final. That's, that's a potential block final. That's also a potential spoiler. Either way, yeah. like someone drawn and we need one person to falter. Yeah. So honestly, looking through this, despite the fact it's so stilted, the pacing of this tournament is weird. Um, but even so, like there's a lot of opportunity for cool points play, mm-hmm. and like it's the one time. Out of a year, I really accept fan fiction in my wrestling because that you're, it's fan fiction of numbers. It's tournaments, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like um, you're trying to work out if there's any way your favorite can get through. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out if Unagi can get through now. Um, so yeah, it's and and, and honestly, it's as much, we said this last year with Five Star, it's a bit less true now that we've extended the time limit. But like, don't expect the bangers you saw on. Like, for example, it took until the last day to get anything above an eight out of ten last year, didn't it? Um, um, no, I think we gave. I think we gave May, May, Mayu and Julia a good. I can't remember off the top of my head what we oh, gave no, it. No, we gave we gave, we gave out eight. Like we were going out of fucking style. But um, it took until the end to get like ninth, which is when you're getting into the match of the year territory. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So yeah, don't expect really good wrestling. Don't expect match of the years. Um, at least not match of the years every day. Like basically, don't go in expecting what you think the G one is. No, in terms of four and a, four stars and up, um, Utami Jungle and Julia Mayu both got four stars. Yeah, on no, the opening in, night. No, I think that. Um, Basically, very every, good matches. every Jungle Kiona match. Very good, <laughs> very good matches happen very often because this is a very strong roster. And it's a it's very, very strong blocks. Very yeah, strong. It's, it's strong blocks, a mix of styles, which if we don't do the thing we've been doing more recently and trying to force a round peg into a square hole. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you could have Konami and Shuri being this matte classic. You could have 
um, Ruraka and Konami, which could be this Oedotai shit show. Um, you can have um, high-speed matches. You can have sleight of hand, like we'll probably see with Saki. You can, we can see if they bring the book back between Mayu and... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was such a tremendous match. That was so good, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, as long as they let their... As long as they don't try and square peg where... I think there wouldn't be, like, a bad match. Like, at least a non-interesting match. Mm. I think there's too many elements for this to be a bad tournament. Hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Let me run something by you, then. So, what I did... I haven't done all of them, because Jesus Christ. Um, But I've had a quick go at predicting the blocks, Chris. You're crazy. Didn't you you do a... Like, there was a... Voices wrestling or something yep. predictions and Correct. you did ours for that. Correct. Um and you completely fucked it. We were both fi- of us. we were fifth. We were joint fifth out of I think forty something. Um for a while. And then um and then you fucked it. Yes. D- yeah, then we fucked it because no, um, no, 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 no. We both no said say. Momo was winning. We both said Momo was winning. Oh yeah, back when we had faith. Um in terms of block finishings. And I know you're going to disagree, but Red Block winner Julia. I just I, everyone's everyone seems to be on that. I don't want it to be Julia. I'm I'm too entertained with what Julia is doing now. But I just I think it's going to be Julia that dethrones Yutami. And I'm I'm liking. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to. I'm. Stop. <laughs> SLK Starlight Kid in second place. No, I, I can think... see her. I, I don't. I'm not sure about second. I can see her having a strong tournament. I think she'll be second. I think Mayu will be third, and I think Mayu has the opportunity to go through. And I think Starlight Kid beats her on the final night. It, um, it makes her... too much sense. What I want to happen is for Starlight to come second, and then Mayu to finish above her. What? So for Starlight to be second going into the final night. Yeah, no. Um, Starlight be so. Star, I want Starlight to finish ahead of. No, I want. Sorry, I, I've got my. I've discombobulated myself. I want. <laughs> I I want Starlight to finish above Mayu, but for Mayu to beat Starlight. Right. Okay. So Do you like want Starlight Mayu to like, stop Starlight going through? Basic. Basically, so I want Mayu to finish ahead of Starlight. Um. I want, yeah. So. Essentially, I want there to be a scenario where there's an argument for Starlight saying she's already done it, and an argument for Mayo saying she hasn't. So then, like when Starlight doesn't have that, she still has that. Okay, it's a bit might be a misstep, might be a bit of a misfire. I think you should sit on that for a bit. Mm, we'll see. Um, Momo in fourth, Himika in fifth. But I, th- I am. It'll be between Himika I, and Saki. I would have thought. I've not studied the block, the uh, the like individual days enough to know what my order is. But if I had to, if I was, if I was booking the finals, it would be Momo versus Iroha, because Momo kind of just falls to outsiders now. That's their job. <laughs> um, if not, then. Maybe Shuri Julia. That's exactly what I've got as my final. 
maybe May, November, say. March on the last day. If, if, if it's like anything like last year. Because we were we were frantically trying to fit Konami into the finals in the dying days of last year's five star. We were. Which, <laughs> back when we had faith. <laughs> well, at the moment, my blue block reads Suri on top, Utami second, Tam third, Konami fourth, Iroha fifth. Oh. I'd assume Micah would be high, just because they're really, really high on DDM. You would imagine that Micah is higher, but don't forget, there's no Sayakamitani in that either. I guess. It is a stacked block. But like, it is a stacked block. Like, there's only really two obvious penitas, Indunagi and... I swear Uaka. to God, if Yunagi ends up on more points than Azumi. I swear to God. You should just do what I do and stop caring. <laughs> stop caring about Yunagi. Um, so, yeah, basically, that is the five-star in a nutshell. Now, Chris, mm-hmm. definitive winner, who is it? Um, I know. Say first name, come on. Oh, um, Fukigan Death. Okay, fair enough then. So Chris thinks it's Fukigan Death. We are going to remember I don't that. don't think it's Fukigan Death. So no, it's too late. You said that. Um, it's on podcast. Get... It's on podcast, Chris. Too late. I was very clearly joking. Um, I'm getting Julia. It's Julia. Julia's to lose this year. I hope she loses. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, we'll be back on the 8th of August to go through all of the happenings so far in the five-star Grand Prix. It starts on July 31st from Yokohama Budokan. Go and watch it on pay-per-view. Um, in the meantime, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We are literally everywhere. Go and check us out. If you think we deserved it, leave us a five-star review and a comment. That would be great. helps us to boom up those podcast ratings. You can also check out our website, www.podmania.co.uk, for all our archived episodes. You can check out our match ratings as well. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at the Stardom Cast. Uh, you can find me at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Chris, where can they find you? Um, at Dewdrop WWE. Oh, Dewdrop, fucking hell. What a name. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, that that threw me completely. I didn't expect that at all. Um, and yeah, until uh, until August 8th, 11 pm. Talk to you guys again soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.